Alrighty, and greetings everyone, and welcome to the first ever Snakes on the Diamond show. Show where two self-proclaimed baseball experts will be discussing all things about the Arizona Diamondbacks, Major League Baseball, and making fun of ourselves in the process. So, coming from the host of the now-defunct Baby Backs Banter podcast, I am Michael McDermott. I write for Fan Nation's Inside the Diamondbacks on Sports Illustrated. You can find our work on Sports Illustrated website. And joining me for the show is uh, Wes Beyer. He is from the AZ Snake Pit, another fun Diamondbacks website to hang out at. Wes, how are you doing today? Yeah, I've been. I'm good. Uh, their team's not doing the best, but, you know, it could be worse. It's like, you know, anything else. It could be on another, you know. 120 pace season kind of deal like the Royals are or the A's. First show so, today. How excited you know, are you? I'm excited. We have a lot to talk about. So um yeah, I write I write for AZ Snake Pit. I've written for some some other Diamondbacks website. I've been around the fandom for a long time. I've um I I don't I just keep getting sucked back into talking about the Max and baseball and prospects and it's something that you know i i seem to be pretty good at it so um i'm excited to share my knowledge and you know go from there and talk to you michael so if you're looking for who to follow on twitter you can follow me at twitter at michael mcd mlb and then following wes on twitter you can follow him at where's your key go at buyer wesley my last name is pronounced Bayer, just for the record. Um, I know it looks the same as Brett Bayer from Fox News. There's no relation, and it's not pronounced the same. So anyway, on today's show, we're going to talk about... Uh, we're going to give our brief introduction, kind of how we became baseball fans and how we got and how the two of us got to here at this point. And then we're going to talk about how the Dimebacks have done in the 2023 season, what they can do to salvage their season or if it is a lost cause. And then we'll talk about top 10 prospect list. We're going to unveil our top, new top 10 and then close out. And we're going to probably basically spend the last half hour talking about how awesome Corbin Carroll is. That's on tap for today's show. So like, yeah, I will start off. I'll start off with how I got into to baseball and the Diamondbacks. It's, Getting into the Diamax is probably more like I grew up in Southern Arizona uh, in the Tucson area. The Sidewinders were uh, announced as a AAA team, uh, you know, the Diamax farm system. That's how I got into being into minor league baseball in the first place. I got into it before I got into major league baseball. Um, I actually really wasn't a fan until the 2000, like really like 2001 season, uh, Randy Johnson killing a bird in spring training here uh, is legendary. Like, I think that would get anyone's attention. He was 14 at the time, like 14 year old boy. Oh my God. A pitcher throwing a 98 mile per hour fastball made a morning dove explode. Uh, it, I mean, it's terrible, you know, as an adult, I, I don't think that's, it's, it's sad. In his life. But 14 year old boy. I thought that was just great. And I always loved Randy Johnson. And in the 01 world, like the, I think it was after the, the division series, I was uh, gambling. I had bet money on the Diamondbacks to win the World Series that like 
if I if I lost, I would be uh, I would have two broken knees. So um, they won, and I figured, hey, um, karma. I guess I'm a Diamondbacks fan now. I mean, it's pretty cool watching your team win the World Series as soon as you get into baseball. Um, I mean, my my previous memory before like getting in the Diamondbacks was ironically Craig Council. Uh, and the Marlins in 97, like that's, I just remember actually just being annoyed that my cartoons in the afternoon were being canceled for, for baseball. So that, that was upsetting to me at the time, but to get back to what I was saying, I put a bunch of money on the Max. I won uh, like a couple hundred bucks and uh, I went from there. I was like, Hey, I should learn about baseball. If I'm going to do that. And, you know, started going online. I, I, uh, found AZ Snake Pit, I think, uh, later on. At the time when I was into baseball, there was really only, like, the, the MLB the MLB forums, which were, like, the worst place ever. Like, they're just, just as bad as, as any kind of internet forum today. And, um, yeah, so, like, once that, they became defunct, I jumped to Snake Pit, and there was the bullpen, which uh, was a I, – I think Jim needs to resurrect the bullpen sometime. Uh, so I started writing, I started writing about Diamondbacks Max prospects. This is like a fan uh, going through their farm system and trying to find players that like could succeed. And, you know, like pretty much what I do now is try to find the standout prospects that are might be a little underrated that aren't getting the attention. It's harder to do that now just because like we have better statistical analysis tools. We have, they have tools I don't have, like, I don't know, like have stack cast and like, uh, just like, all the different tools that even, even like what players have as tools, like in terms of their own development, like they didn't really have access to like they do now, or you can just look up YouTube videos and a guy can learn any pitch they want. So not to mention like drive line, like drive line and all that. And I, I wish I, they had that when I was a teenager, because I probably would have pitched. Like if you don't know, and you're, this is the first time you're listening. I'm a very large man. I'm six foot seven, about 230 pounds. Uh, and I, I pitched briefly till I was about 17 or 18 and I, my shoulder went pop and I lost like all my velocity. So, um, that was, uh, pretty much the last, like the last time I, I, I threw a pitch even like never, in, never in a competitive situation other than like, uh, physical education teams and, uh, like usually just pick up games, but like it, Unfortunately, since I didn't have the training, I hurt myself and uh, never got into playing baseball too much. Um, but yeah, I love I love the Diamondbacks. I love right. I mean, so they're they're our team if you're an Arizonan. So um, that's kind of how I got into it. Michael, uh, I met Michael through kind of we were on the periphery at Snake Pit writing about minor league baseball. Um, so I actually don't think I was on like really online at all like when you first started michael it was only like later on uh that I, like i offered to to help out and um yeah it's you know just kind of <laughs> that's how we met so i think that's that's pretty much how i got into baseball um i'm my family is from that cared about baseball is from chicago so i kind of like the cubs and white Sox, but cubs fans are terrible now that they won a World Series and the White Sox are like just terrible this season. So, um, you know, what are you going to do? Got the Diamondbacks. At least they're not in last place. 
right, what about so, you, Michael? All right. So to recap my story, so I got into baseball right around the time I was six years old. So this was the summer of the 2000 season. So ironically enough, in one of the first minor league games that I got to, there was a player on the other team. And this was a guy that was in the Dodgers farm system at the time. So, uh, this is a fun thing. So first minor league game I ever went to, this, I got this as a souvenir. So it is a, is a pro used bat. And I believe the player's name was Heath Hayes. So if you ever are bored on a random day, look him up on baseball reference. I don't think it was a guy. I think it was a guy that ended up, uh, getting as high as triple a, but never really cracked the big leagues. So that was kind of like a first game souvenir. That's kind of how you get hooked on there. It's Cause at the time I was living in Austin. So the local minor league team was the round rock express, which is now the triple a affiliate for the Texas Rangers. But back then in 2000, 2001, they were the double a affiliate for the Houston Astros. So I barely missed out on seeing Roy Oswalt in double a, but I did get to see, Guys like Jason Lane, Brad Lidge, and I think Eric Bruntlett were on the 2005 Houston Astros team that won the National League pennant. So it was kind of fun. That was like a... So after the Astros made it to the World Series, I actually went back and went through some of the cards that I got back then, and the names that I saw kind of popped up, and it was like, oh, cool. I got to see these guys play in the minor leagues. Of course, this is at the time when uh, Astros in the World Series was 12 years old, so this was like six years after. This is like five years after the fact. So that was kind of just how it went. And then that's kind of how my baseball fandom started. Didn't really get a chance to play really until I was in uh, the seventh grade. So I ended up playing mostly second base because I have a noodle arm and I have no range. So the second base at the time used to be like the default. You can't play a position position. Although nowadays the the quality of defense and offense at the position is so much better than it was back in the uh, 2000s. Even going on then. So after that, I moved to Arizona to where I live now in 2002. That was the year where the D-backs, maybe the best D-backs team of all time constructed, but obviously a Luis Gonzalez injury short-circuited their season with about six weeks to go. And then they eventually got swept by the St. Louis Cardinals. Just to interject, that was the most disappointing uh, first full season as a baseball fan. Like, I was so... Like, they were, like, just a joy to watch that season. Like, up until Gonzo's, uh, like, shoulder injury, he was. And then it was obvious they were they were cooked when they got to the playoffs. Uh, they just didn't have the offense. And he, was, he wasn't the same player the next year, so. A weird fluke season. I've neglected to mention that I did go to minor league games. I mean, the trip spring training games growing up, just because I live in Tucson when we used to have spring training. There was uh, the... Diamond, the before it was, it was the, the White Sox and Indian, and I forget who the teams were before. Before yeah, the Diamondbacks came to the area, the Cleveland was was their Colorado. minor league team was here. The Astros Colorado had their affiliate went, here briefly too. Yeah, and I think the Toros. Uh, yeah, yeah. Redstrom talks about it a lot. Yeah, the Tucson Toro era is, uh, and we have U of A baseball. And I, I did not. I also didn't mention I have a, a like a brother-in-law that. Uh, now ex-brother-in-law, but he's my uh, niece's uh, father. He uh, he was in the Philly system, and he stalled out in, uh, like, double A. And I think, like, he came around. He actually stayed with us, like, like two springs when he was invited to spring training. But, like, that's where I became, like, really familiar with, like, minor league conditions and, like, what players go through. And, like, I really like uh, 
like that you'll hear a lot of that if you're listening to us like i have a lot of interest in like the playing conditions and, like what players go through and like, the mentality and mindset that they, you need to succeed if you're not like that immensely talented you know you know obvious number one pick all right so uh continuing this so we're going to continue the story a little bit obviously now we got to the point where i moved to arizona now we're going to talk about kind of how i started how i started uh growing into a fan so so starting from there, the first game that I actually watched on TV, I think, came in the 04 season when the Dynamax were playing Baltimore when they went to the Cam- when they went to uh, Camden Yards in 04. First game I saw, obviously, Randy Johnson throws a. Randy Johnson does Randy Johnson things. So that was kind of like a first start, and then uh, Dynamax ended up taking I think what two or three against Baltimore. So I didn't really watch them much until the 05. Didn't really start watching them until 05, on TV. Then uh, first game that I attended at Chase Field was May 6, 2006 against Cincinnati. That was a pretty interesting game. Uh, well, the Reds took a one nothing lead on an inside-the-park home run that hit off the home run porch overhang in left center field. And uh, a bad ricochet job by Jeff Devanen on top of that. But then they ended up winning that game. That was pretty cool. So like I said, I've been to hundreds, maybe even a thousand games in the last 15 years or so. And I started going to games more regularly, 2007, 2008. In 2008, they had the, like that 10th anniversary special thing and like, exploited the crap out of it. Started going to more games in 2009. Uh, and then, beca- and then uh, my mom decided to get season tickets for 2010 because the All-Star game was coming here in 2011. It was like I said, I if you ever had the I did not know your chance- family had season tickets. How did I not know that, Michael? So the thing- season tickets. So- yeah, it's season tickets for ten year, ten seasons, all the way through the nineteen season. Wow, so season tickets for that long. But then, uh, and no, COVID wasn't the reason why we canceled. So that's just like an interesting factoid. But uh, so I've been through it all. It's like the, if you ever have the if if Phoenix hosts another All Star game, if you have the ability to do it, you got to experience it. There's a lot of cool stuff there. If you're out of the air, it's like if you're out, if you don't live in the Phoenix area, it's like just take like a week vacation or something. You can do it. And I say if you can do it, obviously. If you want to do it, Phoenix in summer. Yeah, if you can brave the 115 degree heat that we've been experiencing all summer long. Yeah, fortunately, uh, air conditioning buildings are a lot must for all star game stuff. Absolutely. And I got some. I got some fun stories from that thing. We will save for a future episode. It's kind of like the All Star Game experience. Maybe we'll talk about that when the All Star Game rolls around next July. If we're still a show, then. But, uh, like I said, I got some fun stories for over the years. So the space out. We don't want to reveal all of them too quickly. So then I've also seen the backs play Milwaukee in the postseason NLDS. One, it's like one game, and there was such a bad car wreck that. It ended up taking forever to get on I-10, so getting back to the Phoenix area from Tucson was like a pain in the ass, and you had to take like back what back roads, highways to get there. And there was there was like this like massive pileup with multiple fatalities on I I-10, like at the Picacho Peak area. I remember that. So we ultimately don't get end up getting there until like the fifth inning, which is or which yeah the fifth inning, and then like. The first, once we get into the game, the first, next pitch, bam, grand slam, Goldschmidt. So, like, goalie hits a grand slam. That's kind of like how he announces himself to the baseball world. It's like, 
of course, we look back on that moment uh, 12 years in the future, and it's like, well, yeah, that's the first signature moment of a Hall of Fame career. If you look back on that kind of thing. So it's like, that was pretty cool. And then, uh, so originally started uh, behind home plate, then we moved to the first base side, then I had enough of Dodger fans, so we went to the third base side to get away from them. And then it's, uh, that's where we were for the last seven years. I think, what, 14 through 19? So the last six years. How did you start writing on Snake Pit? Talk yeah, about that. I'll get to that one. Because we're in that time frame. So I've been doing that, obviously. So I started getting more involved, and then, then I start, then I started floating around more on Snake Pit because, you know, I mean, sometimes I can be an intellectually curious guy. So it's like, okay, why is the team terrible? It's like, I don't need to, it's like, I see it, but it's like, I want to know why. So that's kind of how it started. So I actually initially signed up for snake, uh, ended up joining snake pit in 2011, but I didn't start regularly appearing on there until the 2014 season. So and after that, and then like, it only took like two more seasons before I started joining writing. And there's a name, you'll, a name and a guy you'll see quite often on the show, Jack Summers. He actually, back then he went, went by the alias shoe wizard and that's his Twitter handle. Shoe wizard 59. He's so it actually legend. pushes me a little bit. Yeah, he's a snake bit legend, but it's like it actually pushes me to start uh, start writing about the team, and it's like gives he gave me a little bit of data, and I started writing some things about it. And then Jim, after the uh, twenty fifteen season, approached me with a staff writing position, so I ended up joining there. And then at the time, this is like a year after I started writing about the Patriots on Pat's pulpit. But who, we're not talking about the NFL on here, so who cares? Yeah, I don't care about that. <laughs> So I ended up writing there. So initially, um, when I first joined, it was going to be me and John Barragona writing about the minor leagues. And John had been writing about the minor leagues by himself for like years. And then eventually he left after about a couple of years. And then, of course, uh, writing about the minor leagues on a daily basis is a grind. So there were times where I had I just stopped out of nowhere. I think one season I like stopped in July. It was 2016 or 17, I remember. Me too. It's not because the grind just that. got too big and then... That's when Jim got the idea to bring Wes in on the minor league coverage. So we did that together on the Snake Pit for four years, 19 through 22. No, it was 2018 through 2022. It was five years. Yeah. A whole year layoff there. Minus, yeah, minus, yeah. Okay, yeah, you're right. Four years because we had, remember, 2020, there was no breaks. Yeah, Yeah, that was was interesting. It was definitely interesting. It's like, and that's, that's actually a fun story. That's how the uh, YouTube journey kind of started. We'll talk about that after that, uh, after I finish here. But uh, after, so Wes and I do the 2018. So he did the, I did, I think, what did you do? You did weekends, I did middle of the week, I think. Yeah, we yeah we started. Because we at the time like, we had. I was doing it three days a week. So it was like either Friday, Saturday, Sunday at first, or the other way around, like Monday, like Saturday, Sunday, Monday, something like that. Um. Like I just I get to see that you were like struggling getting it done. I was like, hey, I want to read about this, so I'm willing to do it. And I, you know, I had better health at the time, so it was a little easier. I've been trying. Like I have a channel, as you can see next to my name, and like eventually I will put stuff on it. Probably like stuff that's not baseball related, most likely. But um, I mean, it is it is really is a grind uh, writing about even minor leagues. Like all at the time they had. Uh, when they had both the short and full season leagues, didn't they have like eight yeah, or nine teams going sometimes? Like it was like as many there's as ten. 
There, I think there was a day where there were 12 games due to doubleheaders. And that was, Jim was like, Wesley, you don't, you don't need to write it like that and like be descriptive. So I write super descriptively and like, I'm no, not very good at being, being concise. So no, let's just yeah. say the vast majority of fans don't even, aren't going to pay attention to what happens in Dominican summer league or even the complex. It's like yeah, once they get in the full season ball and you can, it's kind of when it starts. The, the complex stuff is for prospect nerds. Yeah, like pretty us. much. There's, it's a limited, it's a, it's a very niche interest. That's one of the reasons why we're moving to a more broader subject. Is it's, it's such a, a niche subject that uh, there's, it's limited. You, there's only, it's probably like maybe a couple hundred like real prospect diamondback nerds that are into that, that like really care all that much about it and like more than that like the average fans like okay i don't care about this guy in rookie ball or like when's he gonna play for the major league like you hear that a lot with the draft day that's it that's the input i get back from the casual fan is okay so when are they gonna play for the team it's like a yeah it's it's like it doesn't it, it don't work that way doesn't say that people probably only pay attention to who was drafted in the first round kind of thing so you would have yeah, to be uh You'd have to be a big, t- um, you'd have to be really following the team to know who was drafted after Tommy Troy and uh, yeah, this yeah, last this month's draft, or like into what are the kind of fantasy leagues that you like long term, like team like I forgot I don't know how that it's works, like, but I know there's somewhere you draft you draft minor league players and stuff into it. So I know that's a thing, but that is even more like that's just as niche as that. Is the people who are into like that kind of fantasy baseball? Most people are doing it day to day, right? remember correctly or like weekly so they're not doing it like the three-year minor league fantasy baseball team <laughs> like like what it's just so niche like i don't it's too much for me it's like go for you know the biggest uh prospect websites you obviously got mlb itself yeah use my other hand so you can see it on MLB itself baseball america who's like the pioneer of that and fangrass which is like the ultimate fantasy baseball website out there it's like fantasy baseball's kind yeah. of pushed the prospect thing because you got dynasty leagues and all that fun stuff i don't play fantasy baseball maybe i should change that but that's uh Wait, we've talked about that we might do something with that at some point uh yeah. you know but like i mean it, all the sites that were around like the usually baseball think factory uh the dynamax it was the bullpen forum uh baseball prospectus i don't know if they're doing anything anymore they used to have minor league coverage but it's like not very accessible you get to be like it's behind a paywall it was behind a paywall yeah. years ago before that was really like as common as it is now so uh they don't really like they're not really on most people's radars there was uh was minor just, league ball.com that was a sb nationist affiliate so similar to AZ Snake Pit, obviously they had their own minor league uh, thing, and of course, uh, Rue was run by John Sickles, who was actually plucked by the Athletic for a little bit, but then uh, ultimately, Athletic now their main prospect writer is Keith Law. And of course, Keith Law writes a lot of interest, a lot of very interesting stuff. If you don't mind, uh, it's like is if you're like a big prospects guy, he's definitely worth the price of it. Um, subscription to hear his thoughts on draft day. That's kind of a fun thing to go through. Of course, uh, Keith Law's streak of predicting the Diamondbacks pick ended up uh, going bust this year. So either D-backs had a pretty good idea 
<laughs> either never leaked their pick to never leaked any idea of their pick to the press. Although Keith Law did mention Tommy Troy as an alternative, he just never mocked picked him. It was an alternative on basically all of them. Of course, that was same was yeah, true I'm- when we did the draft stream, which I was the only person to actually name Tommy Troy in that video. Well, I wasn't there for the initial one. I have my apologize for that. I, I had some health issues that day. Oh, and I apologize right now. My, the, the door, someone knocked on my door. Uh, my dogs don't like it, so I apologize for that. Um, no, Tommy Troy, we just didn't meant like I, he was on my radar. I'd heard that from like, like actually someone like lives in the Phoenix area who didn't even like know that she must know someone on the team. Uh, so they were going to draft it. Like that was who they were going to draft. He was available. And I was like, okay, I'm sure he'll be available. But there's got to be better talent than than Tommy Troy. No, no offense to him, but uh, I just he just wasn't like number one on my list. He was like there's other guys that like I expected to be more, you know. But I guess he's been on the radar for like like since he was in high school. So yeah, that makes that makes it couple... looks a lot better. Yeah, I actually got to see a couple of bats of him in the uh, Perfect Game National Showcase in 2018. I got to see the uh, backs draft picks Liam Norris and AJ Vukovic in there and. Uh, of course, uh, maybe I'll save that for our prospect cover, uh, prospect coverage at some point. That, that it's a fun story in regard regarding Vukovic. Uh, he's one of the hardest, one of the farthest hit balls I've ever seen a high school prospect hit. That kind. Well, of just thing. you gotta say, you just gotta say it now, dude. Just tell the story now at this point. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, so this is perfect game showcase. Second day, AJ Vukovic's first at bat. He gets a fastball up. And he hits an absolute piss missile, 109 miles, an, 109 miles an hour to the left center field gap. It hits off the wall at the 413 mark. At uh, let's see how old we've been. 17 years old. Oh yeah, he the kid. He just before his 18. He can hit the ball hard. He just doesn't have the hit tool really like the you, you want or the the defense. Um, shout out to Daddy Hackless Steroid the fourth or whatever that channel is. For yeah, uh, introducing the term, pit, pit. yeah, yeah, I know, but that's where I first really heard it was that that the shorts with the the was it like MLB the show twenty three? Maybe that's something Not we hilarious. should do. We should have like a MLB out of the park Sims as part of the content and like do like game reviews or something like that. Yeah, that would be good to answer some questions where we can be like, okay, how would the Diamondbacks do if they didn't have Mad Bum and uh, in the rotation from the beginning or things like that. It'd be fun to explore some some hypotheticals. Yeah, no, we wouldn't be that much that much better with them gone. I think with with competent replacements for them, I think we would be um, one or two in first place. Still, I think we'd still be in first place. Um, I just don't think if we had someone who like give me give me a fourth or fifth, maybe. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't know what's going on with this division. LA is looking good. Let's get let's yeah, talk and, like get into the NL West right now. Uh, the Dodgers yeah. are the Dodgers look good. They have like a lot of the guys are coming back from injury. Uh, they've made some trades already. They got all the both guys are really not that good. Like who's uh, Ahmed Rosario and uh, Kike Kike Hernandez. Yeah, Kike uh, Hernandez is a fan favorite in LA. So. It's like that's a yeah, reunion no, I tour. Get, I get, know, I get if, acquiring him. I get that one. Yeah. A Rosario it's a clubhouse though. thing. Yeah, if They're you probably. need to know anything you need to know about Ahmed Rosario, follow Bernie Pleskov on Twitter. 
He's a joy. That's like every, do, do follow. Shout out to Bernie. Especially if you're a Cleveland Guardians fan. If you are a Guardians fan, you must follow that guy. Yeah, this guy's absolutely. been a major league scout for a very long time. This guy knows his stuff. Yeah, he does. Mm-hmm. He's really one of the most knowledgeable people on Twitter. Um, so I was saying, like, the Dodgers are coming back. They're looking good. The Padres, actually, you said it right. It's the clubhouse is really, the, I think, the issue with that team. is that there's too many strong, brash personalities. The team's just not vibing like they should. Uh, just based on the talent, you would think on paper, that's a great team. Uh, less so in reality. And I don't know what the explanation for it is other than like either clubhouse chemistry or, uh, like coaching, obviously it seems to be an issue there. Uh, I think it's just like so many brass personalities has really tanked their success. Giants, uh, are an enigma to me. I don't know how they succeed doing what they do, but it keeps working and it works. And the Rockies, as we all know, are like next to the you know bottom of the of the league. They're, so I mean, they're, they're, they may have their first hundred loss season. Let's just say the Rockies are as incompetent as Oakland, except they actually have a ballpark people want to go to. That's the main difference. Like Colorado, Denver, yeah. Coors Field—that's a destination. That's a place everyone wants to go. Yeah, like, Coors Field is, is a beautiful great. ballpark. I except I would love. I've not got, put a roof on that. I've been to Denver. I've not been to Coors Field, but I've heard nothing but like good things about it as a stadium. And I like definitely need to put on my, my list of stadiums to visit. Um, yeah. The Rockies, they get away like the Cubs were for years where they have a really nice stadium that everyone wants to go to and they can make enough money off of concessions and some ticket sales that they don't need to have a winning team. Like they can put a, a, they, they, I mean, I would imagine that Rockies, their their attendance has been uh, way better than it should be, at the very minimum. Like it's it's much uh, like I don't get to see the, like the I mean not to mention the ownership and all that like confident. they're just clearly using it as a way to make money. But the Rockies long term like it's they don't have a reason to really put out uh oh, they like, what they've only won a wild card. It's not that the Think Rockies that are cheap. It's just they're really foolish and when they give out those big contracts, yeah, it's not. They're not great. They're there. naive with it. And they're kind of like, they do a decent job. They like to do a decent job across the board. It's just once they get the, fr- it's, it's just been very bad in free agency. Although at the same time, they don't really have what the Rockies kind of need is they need a Corbin Carroll type player to build around. But unfortunately last time they yeah. had something like that, they, uh, they had a divorce with that player. Uh, and now he's yeah. in St. Louis. And you know, to, in some respects, like I think they kind of thought Charlie Blackman was that player, and he's not. He's not like I mean, that's like that's Charlie like the Black- floor. That's the floor for Cor- like his that his best is the floor for Corbin Carroll. Okay, like that's that's really where we're at. Like he's really was very overrated. Coors inflates like inflates his uh, production. Uh, tremendously. He's never really been like that kind of, his defense has gone greatly downhill. So he's the one long time player that they've had forever. And um, it's baffling why they've kept him for so long. I mean, the thing about Blackman is I think he still would have been a very good player no matter where he played. That's yeah. the kind of thing. And they were, when it is prime, they, the Rockies made, they, they were, he had some really good years, even when you factor in cores. 
Yeah, no, I'm not, he's not, but he was not a bad player in his best years at all. Like, he was an above average, like, everyday contributor. I mean, there's a reason why he has stuck around, uh, you know, with Colorado. And, like, I mean, he's, he's had a job. Uh, like, I don't, I don't, I think he was like the, I think he has the most outfield starts of any Rockies player. So, um, you know, like, he had some good years in there. Uh, he's well past his prime now. That team is a mess. Like two hundred and eight starts, according to baseball yeah, reference. That's, that's a hell of a career. That's a success, no matter what you say. When we're talking about these baseball players, and here's like might say something negative. Really, you have to remember that you can take the worst baseball player that's made a major league team, and he will kick your ass at baseball. Even so if you're good, you're a good amateur. He'll make you look like a child, and that's how like, even the worst players are that good. And it's the same thing applies to the NBA. Like any professional athlete is a better athlete than I am. There's no question about it. Even college. Yeah, college, absolutely. Now, if you're, you were once a college athlete, you could probably argue that. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah, I, you have like three years in college for it to be really that kind of to be able to. Or, or the or the minor leagues, I guess, to some extent, would be would be the equivalent in like any other sport. But like, I mean, if you, I mean, I've I've played a guy, guys who play for a college team. Okay, like when I was would play pickup games in Scottsdale, um, they they schooled me, honestly. Like I could I could not get a hit. The only time I actually got on base playing against them was when I did a surprise bunt, and they did not expect me to know how to bunt. And bumped properly, and I just caught him by surprise twice doing it. So, yeah, like that, they like... didn't have a chance. My hands rang and hurt for days. Sounds like what so, I so. Like it's not, it's not a like it's not even a question that like we can't really like if I put my best training for for five or six years, I might be able to like kind of hold my own for a little bit. But guess what? By the time I do that, I'm forty years old and. Uh, out of shape and downhill from there. So ain't going to happen. Uh, and if you're watching this and you think you can compete and you're not, you're an amateur uh, and you're not like, okay, if you're some 17 year old kid and you're talented, yeah, yeah pursue your dreams. If you're our age, uh, quit, quit fooling yourself. You're not being anyone. You're not going to beat Shaq in one-on-one, no matter how good you are at pickup basketball. That's basically what I'm saying. It has to be seven foot one to have a chance. Oh my God. God. I've seen even like any, any, like I just see the clips on YouTube of these guys, like uh, there's like the professor, you, like anyone, like any, any kind of talent with basketball is like play at a professional level. They will school you. It's not a joke. Like the one guy's Adam Sandler though. That dude can play some ball. Well, Adam Sandler's out. Adam Sandler's got a pretty athletic build too. Yeah. It's kind of like, a, it's kind of funny that he has a reputation for being really good at basketball. I just never expect. Of course so. Uh... Sandler of all people. Oh, that's a classic. Uh, Charlie Sheen was the only play, only actor on set who actually had baseball talent. Like, yeah, he had legitimate he could, baseball talent. Although I also think he was on Oh no, he took steroids. Absolutely, he was he throwing eighty four, eighty five. Yeah, no, he did. It's like a, he admits that he did. I was gonna say PEDs so, are only a problem when they're sanctioned. Yeah, like, yeah. PEDs <laughs> If you're, uh, you know, competing at a high level, you, like it's it's one thing. 
Uh, but if you're like playing and it matters, like you should, everyone should be on the same, you know, playing field. I think everyone should be on steroids in major league baseball. Personally, I think that there's just not enough steroid usage in baseball, and <laughs> they need to change that. If 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 Manfred wants to make the game more interesting, here's what he's got to do. He needs to pump you get one guy per team. Okay, they can do whatever performance enhancing substances that you get you want. There's no no punishment. Like it's like a designated doper. The DD, it's a new position. It can be any of the positions. Okay, designated uh, doper. Just yeah, just change the designated D to an doper. H. Yeah, just change the D so to an H. <laughs> so it's there. That's so you pump. H. So you pump Corbin Carroll full of steroids, and he becomes like you know basically Daddy Hack steroid the fourth, you know, and then his knees blow out, and then you know he's screwed. But that's what I want to see. None of these little like ghost runner rules and like pitch. No one wants Manfred that. Man. Manfred yeah, Man. That is the most fitting name for it. Obviously, I don't. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's I obviously like a don't write Manfred Man, but it's like casually I refer to it as the Manfred Man. Like everywhere except uh, published works, I refer to it as the Manfred Man. I was still writing for Snake, I have, but I, I have. as the Manfred Man. When I was writing for Snake, that I referred to it as the Manfred Man. I thought it was like I, every time, every time it came into play, I referenced that I thought it was the dumbest thing I've ever seen in a professional game, and they need to get rid of it. And what happens? It's now instituted, like at all levels. Th- thanks. I mean, it's like it's like Manfred read read up my articles. And he was like, you know what? Fuck this guy. I was going to say, man, I think the reason why it's stuck is because players don't want to play 16 inning games. Yeah, that's pretty much it. It's the union. The union, for one, a lot of injuries happen when the bullpen is overtaxed. It's like late games. Then everyone has a flight. They got the next day. It's getaway day. And, and you're tired. It, it, it really, yeah, no one wants to tie. There's no ties in baseball. That's dumb. That's even dumber. Than the Manfred Man, yeah, that's that's up there. And my mom, my mom, when she first heard the Manfred Man, she's like, "Oh, what are they going to have on teas next?" And I'm like, "Ouch, that's that's a spicy burn, that's, mom." The, oh man, if the All Star Game went to extra innings, it almost did. Like what? What? The, that's what? what, what that's what, what are you doing, Rob? Happened. Like, what are you doing? Like, what do you do? I wish, I wish that happened. This was to be weird. And like I want chaos. Yeah, Jack was rooting for that because he was hoping Kimber would have to throw more pitches. <laughs> oh my god! Oh That's god! What if he becomes a? Well, we'll talk about the possibility of Craig Kimber becoming a Diamondback tomorrow. But yeah, that, we're saving the trade trade deadline coverage for tomorrow. There's hopefully we'll have more to talk about than the few things that went down. Yeah, we're just we're just trying to settle in here today. This is the first step. It's the first show. We don't want to give away too yeah. much too quickly. And plus, it's more about getting to know us, us yeah, personally, you know, as opposed to what we know. Yeah, so you know what what to expect listening to to this. I am I am uh, like a crazy person, and I don't give I don't care what anyone thinks of me. Um, I really don't, and that's kind of been like my thing all along. Is I will like troll on. At one point, I was on Snake Pit as Dick Cheney, and I would just respond with, go fuck yourself. And then Jim, that's the one time I've gotten banned. Jim's like, Wesley, you can't, you can't do that. That's not cool. Yeah, Jim, <laughs> yeah, Jim's a pretty awesome guy. He, He's like, like that's If you get banned funny, on Snake Pit, but, you definitely deserved it. Yeah, that's kind of... 
he thought he's like, a... he's like i think it's really funny but you can't do that that's like clearly like your your one language two you're political. you're like and being in it, like you're imposter yeah political anything about that knows three things uh i'm pretending to be someone i'm not too so you know that's that didn't fly jim wasn't cool with it uh and i got banned and i was just like fuck it i don't know care about baseball anymore. was he actually I, vice guess, president at the time i don't even know i i know jim owns the url no 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 this was in this was in uh Wait no, this was in like twenty. This is this is he might have been. I no, I think it was right after. I think oh. I think it was. It might have been right after in like oh nine. It could have been when he was vice president. Actually, I thought that was really funny though. But he did too. He's like you're clearly breaking the rules, Leslie. Like you can't you can't be doing that, man. I'm like okay, I won't. So yeah, um, yeah, my. Ru- my runs were being basically being like a like, be trying to be like an analyst on every pitch, like basically do my Bob Brenly impression. Yeah, and I think that got tiresome after a while because it's like, oh, hey, hit that to the corner. It's like, oh, that missed by a lot. <laughs> yeah, Bob, you yeah, just a bit outside. That all that kind of stuff, you know. I baseball oh, is, has have- a lot of cliches in it. Did you ever see that? Did you ever see that clip on Twitter where uh, Giants pitcher Ryan Walker he's about to throw a pitch and then he just loses his bounce, so he spikes it in the dirt and then. Uh, yeah, I've seen that. Hilarious. It's a color guy for the Giants. Uh, Mike Kruko. He says just a bit outside, and he spikes that That's ball and it good. goes and it heads towards first base. That's a good use of that reference. No one wanted to replace Bob Euchre now. A lot of people like, like, you know, Vin Scully. I've always been more of a fan of Euchre. I think his is like his play by play and his color are both more interesting than 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 uh, Scully's. It's controversial, I know. I know, but Vin Scully is probably the best storyteller in terms of broadcast. He made going yeah. to the grocery store sound interesting. That's true. I mean, I, I all due respect to, to Vin. I mean, he's. It, like absolutely like if you got like a top 10 announcers he's he's number two in my opinion like one you know i think he's he's like probably one for most people but he's in the top 10 for i think you know of of all sports all time i'm pretty sure 90 percent of lists have him top one yeah i know and then maybe a handful two or like yours or two or three it's like like i said uh name a baseball broadcaster whose death had such a big impact on the baseball world. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I mean, really, like, there's not really uh, anyone. I mean, he's been around. It's so it's, it's crazy. He called uh, games Don Larson Dodgers. Per- Don Larson's perfect game. And he also called Buckner's air. Yeah. So oh, I Buckner's mean, the dude air. has been ar- around forever. I do. I do love Vin. I. I'm just tired of Tucson Dodgers fans being like, oh my God, or being Vince Scully on the radio. I would, I miss Vince Scully on the radio. And it's like, dude, whatever, man, this is Diamondbacks territory now. Get over it. So yeah, we still, you know, we still haven't we, got tired of it. We, yeah. As I would say we still haven't overcome the Dodgers and Giants in terms of fan bases in the Phoenix area yet. Cause that's yeah. Cause they've had a foothold on this for like decades before the D-backs became a team. Well, the real thing with a lot of fans in Arizona that I've talked to, especially Hispanic fans, is that uh, it's not only 
Vince Scully and the radio and all that, it said like uh, Fernando Valenzuela was a uh, sensation. I don't think anyone like unless you were like a Mexican kid or like or like oh, a Latino a growing. I mean, his sensation period, but like especially like if you're a kid growing up like a kid in Mexico near the border or in uh, southern Arizona, like he was a, like like this a real obvious role model to to you know. I mean, that's a team. It's like, for me, like Randy Johnson, like I'm a big, tall, awkward white guy. Hello, that's why I'm a fan of him. Um, I would say that's so, so similar, similar, similar reasoning there. So I can, I can empathize with someone who's like a fan of Fernando and that's how they got in the Dodgers. So, um, yeah, and probably, and then probably the same reason why I am very invest, invested in seeing how Corbin Carroll plays at the major league level. Cause you know, short half white, half Asian guy. Yeah. You represent, represent. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we're on to let's talk about the team. This, the team, yeah. So after 103 games, um, they're better than people were expecting. I think going into the, the season, I think that now people have gotten a big. They're like, it's like it's like emotional whiplash with the fandom right now. They're like, oh my god, the team's great. We can we do it all this year. We're gonna get Tommy. We're gonna do all this stuff, and then it's like not gonna happen. Like thinking like that, uh, I think contending for the wild card was a more realistic expectation. If you thought the team was gonna be good going into the season, um, they've come back to earth. We know that we know what the, the flaws are. The bullpen has been terrible. Um, Obviously, having Madison Bumgarner in the rotation uh, didn't help earlier um, in the year, and like now it's just like force. the first only made four yeah, starts. Okay. okay, so Bumgarner only made four I mean, starts. Just, Davies has been a bigger problem. Okay, and Davies. Okay, so having Bumgarner and Davies in in the rotation not helping things. Everyone knew that would be a problem. It still is a problem until they're like you know they're both gone, and you have replacements. I don't think that. Like we talked about this before the, before we started streaming, that uh, Gurriel is probably done for the season in terms of being like a hot hitter. Yeah, Gurriel has a bit of a history where he gets really hot at the beginning of the year, and depend and his numbers kind of depend on how long he can sustain that. And then there's a, there's a stretch at the end of the year where he just tanks. Yeah, and if you ever pull, and maybe we'll pull that up because I remember month Jack by showing month. me. Uh, thirty game rolling average on WCRC plus, and obviously this is a little bit more advanced. So I wish we could have introduced this a little bit better. Uh, grass. All right, so I'm gonna pull up on grass real quick while we talk about. It, but let's talk about the standings. So you can see kind of here the D backs are. If you took if you told me on April first, the Diamondbacks would be fifty five and forty eight after their first hundred three games. And only half a game back with the wild card. Would you have taken it? Yes or no? Sure. Yeah, I'd take that. You would too. I think we all would. I think we all but would. Like, I mean, most people were projecting us to be in like where the really where the Padres are right now. You know, like this is. I think we've gotten our hopes up because they got up to like such a great start, and uh, it was obvious if you really you know have 
just basic knowledge of baseball that like no no team like even like the Rays the people were expecting the Rays to like break the record for wins and it's like not gonna happen just like it's the other direction in the Oakland Oakland uh was not gonna stay that bad uh somehow the Royals have managed to be even worse I don't know how that's possible. Like you should go to the Royals. What's their record right now? That's the worst team in baseball. The Kansas City Royals. They're only one game better than uh, Oakland. Yeah. So they've somehow have been that bad. Like they're that's that's a real accomplishment. Uh, my condolences to to Royals fans on this season once again. Um, the Royals are the Royals are figuring out what to do next because it, it's not working. Like you got your. Franchise players on his last kind. Of, I say like your franchise player, like Salvador Perez, is on his last legs, and then Bobby yeah. Wood Jr. While he's been good, he's not as been as good as they hoped for, kind of thing. So it's like, what are you gonna do? It's like your fr- uh, your next franchise player maybe is good, but not an elite player. And that's yeah, in this game you need to have guys too. You need to have that one guy that in the lineup where. When push comes to shove, he will come through for you. The D-backs already have that guy. His name is Corbin Carroll. Yeah. The biggest hits of the season have come off his bat, and he's only 23. And there is that's why there's long-term hope for this team. Just the thing, Car- though, about Bobby, about Bobby Witt is they were expecting him to be that guy. And he could still be that guy. Uh, he just hasn't. Like, I mean, that could happen to Carroll. Like, he could have had the same kind of start uh, where he... I mean, you have to remember that, that Bobby Witt is a higher draft pick than Carroll was. Uh, he has same year. more of, yeah, he's a premier, a premier player. What did he sign for? He signed for uh, a lot of money. Seven million. Something like that. I think it was more than that. I think he signed for two slots. Seven, uh, seven point seven seven nine. So yeah, he's a record set, record setting bonus. Uh. They were counting him on him to be that guy. He's not been that guy quite yet. I know he's gotten better than he was earlier this year. I looked at that recently. I don't know. That's the thing with building a team. Like Diamondbacks were really lucky to have, uh, you know, Carroll get off this great start, and for him to actually be able to, to you know, like adjust his game and recover. Like that injury was scary. I think that kind of. Uh, that slowed him down the base pass a little bit just to be careful. It seems like he's playing, you know, back to himself, but you know, things like that, that, that can happen. And uh, the weird, the thing we're we're seeing now is that the offense is kind of cooled down significantly. And the pitching is uh, just not, it's not there all the time. I mean, you can't have gallon is not going to have a perfect start every time. Neither is Kelly. As we as we've seen close every time at home, yeah. So, um, I don't think that's like I. I mean, I actually was going to suggest like blowing. Like I really did. I've been suggesting for a while to just blow up the team, trade off the older older player, like the, you know the guys who are not here for more than uh like two. Like if they're only here for the next three, two three years, get rid of them, trade them for for prospects. This is a you know a seller's. You know, a, a seller's market on the trade deadline this year. It seems like the Diamondbacks could reposition themselves to be better next year and the year after. So I kind of get, you know, adjust the core that they have a little bit and get some, you know, get younger on those positions. Which is really what I think they should do. I don't think they should. Uh, I mean, yeah, if you get a bullpen arm or start, if you get a starter, uh, 
do it, but I don't think there's really anyone in the market for them to prove that area. No, it's not. It's the D backs are not in the market to get starters with more than 10 starts yeah. of control left. But yeah, it, the farm system kind of just is, lo- is very tough. It's very top heavy. So if you subtract from that, no. it's, 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 it goes to a bottom, a bottom uh, farm system. Like half their, if you look at their preseason farm system, half of their top six prospects are graduated. They're there. Yeah. If you look at the 2022 for their top Top 10 prospects already there. Yeah. Already there and making an impact. It's like they have, it's like getting younger. Isn't necessarily the solution because they got a lot of young, they got a young talent yeah, new class right now. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I mean, I'll be on Carol. You have, it's like Nelson, even though it, there's like a home road weirdness to his yeah. pitching, like, or maybe it's elevation cause, but it's like, don't go on Nelson yet, just because his surface numbers look bad. It's like you got to look beyond that. And it's like these guys are all—they're all very young. I think actually don't think we've been patient enough with some of our starting pitchers. Like we really should start the seasons with three of them in the rotation. Uh, I would have been fine with that if they had they had started Jameson, Thought, uh, and Nelson in the rotation. I would have been fine with that. Yeah, and it's like it wasn't necessarily that going after a veteran star wasn't a bad idea. They just picked the wrong guy. They picked the they wrong picked the, guy. They, Absolutely. They picked the guy. They went with the devil, you know. And yeah. Unfortunately, I wonder if that one year where I wonder if uh, that one year where, May, where Wade Miley sucked in Boston is Poison Hazen's thinking about going after him or I don't know. That's something I was. Yeah, I don't never, it, oh, I never thought they were get him, but they're but, uh, They kind of that's haven't not, liked maybe, him. I mean, he came up through the system. He was traded away. They had opportunities to like reunite there well, i think there's him. something else going i mean they actually previous. traded for wade miley in 2015 i'm, I'm gonna add that in there yeah i think it was the previous uh traded him away yeah it was the, he was traded by the d-backs after the 2014 season it was mike hazen was the gm of the red Sox. he wasn't the top oh, okay baseball decision was maker da- that was dave stewart but he was the gm of the red dave Sox stewart when that i think trade was happened. the time or the dave stewart uh, or was, it was this number two guy? No, it was a uh, it was the it was Stewart regime that traded him because they okay, traded because yeah, uh, they traded Wade Miley for Ruby De La Rosa lottery ticket arm and then Alan uh, two former Red Sox prospects that washed out. Yeah, changed the scenery uh, and then that ended up not working. The trade ended up being a lose lose trade. We'll talk about trades, obviously. Some of the win win trades as we get to the uh, closing on the deadline next week. We got. Six more days. And yeah, it's going gonna back be, to the. It's gonna be exciting. So yeah, so going back to kind of the young core nucleus, you're kind. What would you say is the core beyond Carol, Ryan Nelson, Zach Gallen, Merrill Kelly? Oh, and Marino too. And obviously, Tommy Henry. So, uh, the, so I, I Christian Walker, I think also as well. You could consider part of the core. I would say the there's like basically two groups of players. There's. Christian Walker, uh, uh, Gallon, Kelly, Nick Ahmed. He's like that's kind of he's fading out of the core now, so he's gotten older. Because so there's the older half and there's the younger half. The younger core, I'd say, is Corbin Carroll, Gabriel Marino, uh, Jake McCarthy. I'm, I'm kind of on the fence on Jake McCarthy or or uh, Thomas. I like Thomas just from his prospect. Uh, you know. Pedigree yeah, and all Thomas that, is, but 
One McCarthy over is... he plays away over his head. I love his his just his energy, and I think that he's like a good a good component to the team. Like Jake McCarthy has one elite tool, and he is very good at weaponizing it. Think about that. Yeah, one. yeah, absolutely. Um, he can, and he's and his weakest tool is power. Sometimes, sometimes he has trouble getting the barrel of the bat on the ball. Sometimes, although yesterday was a uh, much improved. That was his best game as a Diamondback yeah. in a long time. Maybe his best game of the year, where he barreled up three balls. Actually, you hit four balls on he, but he had four good swings that made contact and had three base hits out of it, and the fourth one was a robbery. I'm saying out of, four as, hits. Aside from that, like, obviously you have this group of pitchers that, that's come up in the last, like, two, three years. I mean, really, that's the thing. Is it's like, I think that you want to kind of have a core of guys that will be, like, uh, uh, Corbin Carroll is going to be here through, like, 2030, right? I honestly think he's going to get every, every penny of that contract. I'm I'm going to say that right now. Year one into that nine that extension, I'm gonna say he's gonna get every single penny if he's healthy. Oh, oh yeah, he will absolutely get the full amount. And if he does, that's a good thing. Yeah, it's a great thing. Uh we wanna see that. I mean they really were uh they they signed that deal at the perfect time because he would not get that he'd get way more than that. His agent usually could ask for twice that amount. I mean, they had uh, to take a they, they Took a huge risk on him. We forget that. Of course, now, of course, it looks like a great deal because Corbin Carroll is just that awesome. Yeah. Like, I can't. I yeah. was when Hazen had that press conference. Like, holy crap! I knew this. I knew this guy was going to be good. I didn't think this guy actually had was from a mental standpoint. It's like I didn't know the guy had that good makeup. And it's like, oh, oh yeah. Wow. I mean, this that really caught my attention of just like how good of a prospect he really is that they assigned him to that extension, which is something this team doesn't really do. I mean, they did that with Patel, but he wasn't drafted by the organization. He was acquired in a trade. I feel like with Marte, he's definitely earning his keep kind of thing. So it's like, yeah, he is contract extension. Obviously I'll earn that. That was like the best contract extension they ever did. Second one, he's still going to, there's still surplus value in that current extension. Like, $15 $15 million. I mean, it's contract is not prohibitive. If, t- if he has to become a full-time DH and it, while he's still a decent fielding second baseman. And I say he's decent yeah. because obviously the metrics don't hate him. The fielding metrics do not, the, the fielding metrics paint a better picture than what I think he is, but you never know. Like I said, can tell Marte, if you look at his baseball reference page, Marte is worth, is four runs above average with the glove. I will be right back. So you kind of just look at it and I think it's like his contract is not hurting the team because his glove is not a liability defensively. He's had some pretty bad years, obviously like 2021. They miscast him as a center fielder when he had already, uh, outgrew the position I would say when I say outgrew I mean his legs really grew and muscle mass outgrew the position and it just it was just too big too bulky couldn't move around enough to successfully play center field versus 2019 where he was able to fake it out there but it's like this year and then obviously this year he's much healthier and then all the uh Defensive aspect, the base running have improved compared to the past years, although Marte's never been a poor base runner. 
in his career. Of course, uh, when Dave McKay is your base running coach, poor base running is never allowed. It's like now that the bats, and then since the bats come back, it's like Marte's now your. I would say Marte's now a core pl- is now a core player in this organization. It's like, although I do see him as a potential sell high candidate, depending on what they can get back, like getting controllable starting pitching would be the idea. And maybe even his replacement as a prospect, you look at a middle infielder guy and like, I know the Dimebacks have Ryan bliss and triple a as a potential replacement, but it's like, we have, kind of we have lots of guys that could be potential replacement for Cattell Marte. That's really the thing that I... Yeah, but can they... That, be I mean, full, like, okay, but, so you have... Will they hit as good? They will they be as good offensively? As good as I mean, here's the guys I would look at. Or Lawler could be uh, just as Lawler's good. Not gonna force him Mar- second. Lawler's not, Lawler's not going to force a Marte trade. Yeah, I don't I don't think he will. Um, no. Bliss, Bliss's glove is major league ready. We've talked about that before. If the dude hits like he yeah. has this year, he's a star. Um, he's a good, he's a, he's, he's like the defensive value plus that bat would be an improvement over Tel Marte just because his defense is that much better than him. Like, a really, he's probably the best defensive middle infielder or like infielder out of anyone in the minors. I don't really, maybe, I don't know anyone in the group this year. I mean, the th- but I like, Prior to this year, he would be the best defensive infielder, other than maybe a Christopher Torrin is very slick glove for a kid his age. Uh, but right now, right right now, right now, he's probably the best defender. Like Christopher Torrin's far enough away that Christopher Torrin is not ma- causing the organization to make decisions. Oh no, absolutely not. He's I in, do he's think in Vizalia, they should sell high not... on him. They should sell high yeah, on Marte though. Marte might be their best. Uh, Chance, selling high on Marte might be their best chance to acquire controllable starting pitching. That's my point. Oh, but if it's not, a trade check, but yeah. if that's not, if that's not coming back, don't do it. There's no point to it. Like you've got. Now I do think when Marte ages, he's going to age pretty hard. But Marte's not even thirty years old yet. Like I don't turn thirty until next week, and Marte is two months younger than me. I didn't know he was that young. I think he's older than that. Yeah, Marte's going to be hitting his decline phase if he hasn't already. In about two years, maybe. Yeah, about two years. I mean, it's really going to be... I mean, there's a number of factors there. It's like how you condition your diet, uh, how often you're played, a whole bunch of stuff that uh, can affect your aging. Obviously, steroids, too. But um, I would say can't, we can't just this, juice up Cattell. I would say before the season, that is not, I would say it would be a much bigger concern, but obviously I think his conditioning is much better this year. I think he's more oh, motivated. Yeah. I agree. Because uh, I always feel like when you're building a team, Cattell Marte isn't necessarily your franchise player, but he's like the Robin yeah. to your franchise player's Batman. So like Corbin Carroll plays the role of Batman on this organization. Yeah. Kind of thing. Like, I, I don't think, think Cattell like is secondary star. I don't think he feels comfortable being like having a spotlight put on him. That's Marte really wants to be the guy driven in by Corbin Carroll. Yeah, he wants to be the like the Jeff Kent. Although Jeff Kent wanted know. to be a star, so Jeff, <laughs> that's Jeff a whole bag. A, the Giants would have won, been more successful if they only had one of Kent or Bonds. Yeah, that opinion. was uh, yeah, that was something watching the two of them play. Um, I feel yeah. actually was a fan. I was a fan of them when they played together. Like you know. It was obvious, like, I hated watching them. Like, you know, it was terrifying watching the two of them come up to bat against whomever, whether it was Randy Johnson or Kurt Schilling 
Uh, but it, it's, it, two of them back-to-back was scary. Like they made, they made Marquis Grissom look like a threat just because you, know, you had that much more pressure on you. I was going to say, with uh, at least with RJ and Schilling, they tolerated each other enough that they didn't get in each other's way. Probably because Randy Johnson is an introvert, and I don't think he's the type of guy that wants to start controversy with other people. Yeah, he doesn't seem like the and type. Schilling, that... And Schilling's the type of person that will leave you alone if you do, if you don't bother. And Schilling's the type of person yeah. that if you leave him alone, he's like, you, you won't start anything either. I mean, his thing was he wanted to be left alone. Both of them actually were like to be left alone. Schilling well, is like, much okay. more extra. Well, I mean, Schilling was like, oh, more extroverted. But when he was starting, he like literally, Randy was the same way. He was like, don't talk to me. Like his wife said it was scary. Like Randy on game day, it'd be like, don't talk to me. I'm starting the day. It's like, which is like, dude, Randy, you're like huge. You do not need to be acting like that. That like makes other people feel very uncomfortable. Like, so I imagine if I'm t- saying that to someone and because of my size, it makes it feel, makes them feel uncomfortable. I would think Randy Johnson saying that to you would make you feel uncomfortable so he doesn't do that anymore apparently but like obviously he didn't start but that's that's a bit much yeah you leave randy alone on game day <laughs> i would say randy johnson's like the last pitcher that actually legitimately terrorized pit hitters yeah like, uh six ten when he's wild i don't think chapman intim- regularly intimidates hitters on purpose rj would do that sometimes like when you th- oh yeah when he threw over Larry Walker, I think he did that on purpose. Yeah, when he's throwing behind us, someone. Like, yeah, and then that, or maybe people. they, or maybe they had some like pregame. Maybe there was some uh, shenanigans before the game that they would do this kind of thing. Like I know Chris Young and Jose Valverde did that. That they were gonna, they were gonna show up the other guy if there was a strikeout or a home run. And I think what happened was Chris Young flied out, so nothing happened. So there was a, nothing happened. That's that was at the All Star game, that, by the way. So nobody yeah, no, would bat an eyelash. I don't get why pitchers think it's okay to throw at someone's head. Like he could kill someone. It's not. It's not cool. I mean, pitchers with. Con- I don't mind brush. I'm actually a fan of brush back pitches because I because you're trying to ma- pitcher's job is to get the hitter out and hard. Yeah. I think intimidation works, but unfortunately, it's most true. of these pitchers can't. When you tell them to throw up and in, they might hit the guy in the face. That's, I mean, that's the thing is if you're going to have someone throw a brush back pitch is you should have someone who has control. You don't have like, I would not throw, uh, I have like Castro throw a brush back pitch this year, like up in it. No, there's nobody in this organization. They're going to die. You need someone with a fastball that can, that actually can terrify hitters when it's up and in. So yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of velocity in this team. I don't think we'll ever see think, another guy like like Randy th- again because maybe Dre if Dre if he gets a handle on where his fastball is going I think could do that. And we're not talking yeah. like hitting guys. We're talking like uh here. This it's like chin music a little bit right here yeah. in the front where my mic is. Just throw it there and just kind of have him lean back. Yeah, that's okay. That's how you, you have the inside have a, part of the plate. You have to have control to be able to really do that consistently. Um, and of course, RJ's like MO was. Pounding right-handed hitters inside. Randy, uh, as I say, one of the things that people don't realize that makes him so unique is that arm angle that he was throwing at. And he threw, first of all, two very, like, he tipped all his pitches regardless. 
but uh, his arm angle for his slider was, uh, it would look like it was going to hit you in the kidneys, is what, how I've heard it described by left-handed hitters. Like, it was not even going to hit the plate. John I think, said that. Yeah, was, yeah, John Crock, and he's like, it looks like it's going to hit you in the back, and it drops in for a strike, and it's like, what are you even going to do with that? And Mark yeah, Grace... going to hit you in the back. Mark Grace and is that famous to talk about, like, corner. He wanted nothing to do with hitting, like, like facing Randy Johnson. He would want nothing to do with it, which is just he like that was a very crazy thing to say. That, he said that was his joke for uh, signing with the. He jokes that that was his main reason for signing with the Dynamax. So we'd yeah. never have to face RJ again. Yeah, that's I. Yeah, no, I can't imagine facing him. Like, there's no one that's gonna be that tall, and that like Randy's athleticism for a guy his size really like people forget about that. But that he had an interesting arm angle, which you really don't see someone throwing like that. The three quarters that has that kind of arm length. I uh, can't. It's like a guy of his size and build if you're not a good athlete you're not going to succeed yeah you're not in sports it's, if you're not a great athlete well now, of course the, the Kembe Mutombo the Kembe Mutombo that's a guy who is like literally he weighed a hundred and 170 when he came over from uh from Africa but of course you couldn't get the ball you could he could you could get the ball in the hoop when he was from yeah point blank against him yeah, so but the, the Kembe, like he did actually like I mean he always like, had trouble conditioning and sometimes like you it's really hard to put on muscle after a certain point. And uh that's an outlier. Another like you know, there's lots of outliers like that, but like RJ um, wasn't I, one of those people though. Yeah. Um where we on our next And with pitchers, you don't necessarily want to add you want to add lean muscle, not necess- especially in the upper half. Your big muscles yeah. are your big muscles are in your legs. Yeah, no, it's a funny thing is I, if I realized in hindsight, if I had done modern conditioning, like I could, I I could have got my velocity much higher. Uh, You know, I didn't, I actually kind of had it backwards. I was doing a lot of like lifting as opposed to like lean muscle in my upper half and then uh, more conditioning with my legs. So I think that that didn't didn't help your velocity at all. My opinion on conditioning is you need to improve your cardiovascular system before you can improve your conditioning. Kind of, that's the first step. But anyway, yeah. so I'm not an exercise doctor. That's just my opinion. It's not necessarily be taken as truth until you, it's, unless somebody that actually knows this stuff agrees with me. That's just my opinion. Yeah, so, yeah. No, don't take advice from us. Go find an expert on things. Um, the only advice you should listen to me on is cooking. Probably about it. Wes is cooking. So, um, yeah, I, it's it's a lot of work, and uh, I'm not motivated enough to do that unless people are paying. Well, just money. get a GoPro cam and just go to work. Yeah, I'll just do it. So we're like uh, the season so far. Uh, what where do you think? Wh- how do you think the Dynamax set themselves up? Uh, like I said, if 103 games, they're half a spot out of the final wild card, and the wild card is wide open. And we're going to showcase the uh, wild card standings before we get too off topic again. Because we got a lot. Yep, we still got a little. Circling back. Go. Yeah, we got quite a bit to go over. Quite a bit to go over. So if you look at the wild card, and we're going to pull up the National League wild card, there are five teams within half a game of, the, of San Francisco. Well, there's five teams within one loss of the wild card right now. 
So you got San Francisco, yeah. Philadelphia, Cincinnati, D-backs, and uh, Miami. Although I do think the Marlins are going to be the first team to fade. And Chicago kind of is close enough that they can kind of mess up the trade deadline. But Chicago's not really yeah. a contender, in my opinion. And they don't really I don't have... know what they're doing. More like they're... It feels... No, when you look at Chicago, it feels like they're trying to just trying to establish everyone this year, and then they go for it next year, kind of thing. Because they just signed Swanson to a big deal. They extended Ian Happ. Swanson's having the best year by all the shortstops. Surprisingly, that's the one thing is all those the shortstops that have signed uh, over the last offseason. Swanson's doing the best. Who saw that on a rate basis? Probably doing better than Swanson, but Seager. Oh wait, no, wrong year. So yeah, Trey Turner's yeah, against here. Philadelphia. Otherwise, they'd be yep. running away with the top wildcard spot right now instead of tied for second. I think Bogarts has been terrible in San Diego. Uh, Carlos Correa like a- is is just now kind of turning his his like season around. I think he just came yeah, off the injured list. So maybe maybe it's the injuries, but with Correa, it's like he's the one guy that didn't change teams. No, he did have <laughs> a pretty hectic. <laughs> <laughs> he did have, and then he did have a pretty hectic off season. Obviously, it's chronicled he out. Didn't there. Change, he didn't change, but he ultimately did not change te- a team. Technically, technically, you're correct. That's not quite what happened. But um, yeah, he, he had an interesting off season. Yeah, he did not he change, change teams. teams. That's true. You're right in the most technical sense, which is the best kind of correct. Because Minnesota was the only team that was comfortable with the medicals, and that's because they already knew what they already had. They already had a year's record worth of stuff with him. Yeah, so I mean, I don't really see. It is pretty much wide open. Um, the yeah, Cubs could like get, the Cubs are Cubs aren't really in it. They're better. They're better served. Like they are much more clear, clear of a team to be trading away some guys for prospects than the Diamondbacks necessarily are. So and San Diego's kind of shifted into cell mode with Blake Snell and Josh Hader. So that's a type of trade that could change the market. I don't think the D backs could afford either guy. I think that's the Angels ruined the starting pitching market. Yeah. Damn it, Art. Yeah, Art Moreno. Shout out to my fellow Tucson in there. Uh, Yeah, no, he's. uh, I don't know what he's going to be doing. I think, uh, you know, it's. That yeah, like the, it really, it's a definitely a seller's market now. Um, Actually, it's a, like the I don't only, know market. That's the only yeah. that's the only real significant trade deadline news that as of as of today and right now is Giolito being uh, acquired by the Angels, and uh, as a result, it's pretty clear that they're gonna go for it uh, one last time with uh, Otani. So if you want uh, Chicago luck, to good, start, good, good luck with that. <laughs> They were never going to trade Otani based on what I saw on Twitter today. It's like they don't want to lose the money. They they stand to lose a lot of money if they trade him. Yeah. I saw there was like $4 million in. The marketing for him that like, is he gets the the amount of eyes that he pulls in? Like not like not even just here, obviously like that he's huge, huge in his own country. Um, He's probably the biggest. I think he like I don't. He exploded in Instagram followers over the course of the the uh, World Baseball Classic. I mean, he's really like. I mean, he's more than just the best player uh, right now and possibly of all time. 
He's also media superstar, and he brings in a lot of, like, no one's going to show up to their games. No reason to show up to their games. It's actually, like, as far as business goes, of, like, maintaining money, yeah, it makes sense to go for it. They were never going to trade him. Um, he's going to walk in free agency, though. I don't think that's really going to – they're not going to get yeah, any, and the, a the Angels will only get a second. Angels will only get a second round pick when he signs with somebody else. Yeah. They're not over luxury tax. So it's a second rounder. And they're not a revenue sharing team. Yeah. Like if so, the D backs were to lose Zach Gallon free agency, they would get a first round pick. Yep. So I don't know. I don't know what Moreno's Marino, doing. That screws with the market, but tie it back in. It is pretty much open right now. I don't think the Diamondbacks are really like, I'm not sold on the necessarily making the playoffs. I'm going to be controversial and say that. Um, I mean, it, it depends on how long this gig goes. So they're four and 17. Uh, what did I write? I wrote. Okay. So they're four and 15 in July and they're yeah. three and nine after the all-star break. So that's where your problems start. And I think yeah, the longer so- this gig goes, the worse their chances of making the postseason are. If they can correct, it against Seattle and maybe the Giants as well. Then it's like, okay, season's back on. It's like they just need to get out of this funk yeah. as soon as possible. Like this could be the because right now they're in a slide that could define the season kind of thing. Because we're going oh, on yeah. to like we're now at what nineteen games of bad baseball now. Yeah, this is really teams not go through that. And teams typically will go through bad stretches. The problem is when your stretches go, it's 20 games, and then it's 30 games. And then once you get to 40, oh, that's when you're... It's hard to stop you it. Like you have, you have a losing like season. Yeah. That's 30 uh, losses when you get to 40 games. I'm on, I'm on the fence, so I don't really like... really like, It's like really like next week, you should really know. If this continues for another week, then yeah, they're out of it. I don't think they're going to make the, the playoffs. If they can have a winning week, then they're just as in it as they were, you know, like a month ago. Because nobody's just, really uh, running away with it. Well, yeah. Because if you look, there's, it's this schedule. I think is playing a big part is of the you know like the balance schedule, and uh, I think like San Francisco that had a six game. San Francisco recently had a six game losing streak. Philadelphia probably has been the team. Philadelphia has probably been the team that's had the least amount of bad baseball in the last twenty games or so. Twenty teams, but Philadelphia has a Kyle Schwarber problem left field. Like I said, and there might be a point where D-backs trade their Alfred surplus for a reliever. With Philadelphia, that's something that Bernie hinted at last night. Cincinnati cannot beat the Brewers. Although, like I, I don't said, know. the life that, of a second-division team. That division is... I'm not going to make any Cincinnati real predictions. Take all, it, all it takes is one, one really hot month from basically any team but the Royals, and uh, they're in it. You know, like... Some, like well, the someone's going to make national league. Some, I'm just saying as far as like, I mean, okay. Yeah, you're right. That's saying the AL, the AL central is just as bad. Um, they're both bad. That's really where I was getting at. It's like, there's some divisions that are really just not like, yeah, look, um, who's, who's, who's in the, who's in the, in the AL central right now? Uh, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, which is surprising. They well, had a great start. Yeah, they, had, they did. They had, we were talking Pittsburgh's about them being kind of like good. I mean, Pittsburgh was in a similar situation to Dimebacks that were entering this year, and they do have some talent, but their bad players are very bad kind of situation. 
Although I do think Pittsburgh's better suit built for the next five years than the Diamondbacks are. I if you compare the two teams. So if you compare the two teams, like I said, Pittsburgh is better suited to compete, I think, in three years than the Diamondbacks are. But you never know, like I said. They have some pretty interesting trade pieces that they can build around, like David Bednar is obviously, I think, better suited as a trade chip than a guy you commit to. Mitch Keller is kind of on the fence. His control might run out before Pittsburgh's window starts, kind of thing, because Keller's now down to, I think, like three years of control after this season. So timing might not be right for him. And we'll look no, at, I don't. So, yeah, but I, yeah, control. You know, I, I like I like that. Uh, I don't know if I agree with you that Pittsburgh is necessarily they've got better pitching and like they're some of their prospects that they have. I like a little better than ours. I'll be honest. I mean, obviously they just drafted number one overall pick, Paul Skeens. But let's talk about their uh, let's talk about their preseason prospects. But I'm talking about players on their roster right now, like Mitch Keller, but David Bednar only have three years of control. It might be a situation where they may be better off trading high on those two players because they're probably not going to compete next year. Probably not. They're talking about not trading Bednar. It's like, it's a, I no, think saying, the window yeah, to sell high on those two guys is next year. If you're not going to trade, it's like if you're Pittsburgh and you're not going to trade Keller and Bender next year, just ride them. Just go with them. You're not going to be able to sell high at that point. It's like either sell yeah. high or just ride. I mean, I think we're in a similar position. Like, but how how many more years is Christian Walker exactly. under contract? So Walker's got one more season left. It's the same thing with Walker and Gallon Kelly for the D-backs. Like that kind of thing. Tell Marte too to an extent. It's like sell high or just. Ride them out until it's almost over. Ride them out. That might be what they're going to do. I mean, I was, I've been advocating for them to just sell high on some players and kind of like, I don't know, get some get some quality, you know, like kind of augment the core prospects you have right now. Although the downside to it's like there is a downside to selling high on a lot of players so often. The issue is obviously that you can't, it's like if you have, Let's say you have ten pros- you have ten top one hundred prospects. Five of them might be part of your next score. You can't expect more than five. And it's like, well, what yeah, does you- that mean for the D back system? Well, I believe pretty strongly that Lawler will be an everyday shortstop, and then if he's not, somebody else will Tommy Troy will be. And if that's not the case, and it's like look at that, and then Drew Jones has some significant bust risk as well. So there's your ha- other half, and then uh well, it's Brandon Fott might not necessarily hit the ceiling because there's quite a few issues with his current game right now. Like he, when he hits, gets too much of the strikes on with his fastball, he get, is Homer prone. Although it seems like they made a huge in his last start, they made a huge discovery, a, a huge change. Well, it's small, but it's a, a small change that had huge benefits. And we'll talk about that more when we get into our top 10 prospects. So you want to get into that? Yeah, no, I, uh, I was going to say is like, you have to remember, like, there's an old saying, there's no such thing as a pitching prospect. Like we have all these guys that are like, you talk about, uh, Ciccone, uh, Fott, uh, Jameson, uh, Nelson. In the grand scheme of things, there's no such thing as a pitching prospect. It is a crapshoot if it, uh, if it's going to work out at all. 
Like you never, you What's never that? know. You draft five pitchers right. in the first round, unless you're very good at developing them. There's probably a chance that only three of them are going to be starters. And you look at the Dimebacks top. We'll talk, we'll talk more about the Dimebacks top pitching prospect. Obviously, our top 10 is very position player heavy because we only have. Uh, I think we only have three I starting mean, pitcher prospects in our top 10. Well, the guys that would be in, like, be on the top. Like, would, like I mean, we have some non qualifiers here now with, like, Nelson, Jameson. They've graduated. Well, the, um, but yeah. we definitely have our, our, our top 10 is very position player. I uh, waited. Like, I mean, I would, and they're leaps and they're leaps and bounds better than the pitching prospects. Like I would put Jordan Lawler, Tommy Troy and uh, Drew Jones in a different tier than literally every other guy uh, right. that we're talking about. Like they're, they're the S plus tier. Uh, I'd maybe knock Jones down to S or like, you know, if you're not familiar with that, it'd be like, the main disagreement in my prospect list and Michael's is the order. So what I, I we we'll can talk. go over it and go over it. Yeah, we're gonna go over that now. And uh oh, that. so coming we're gonna start, we're gonna count down from ten to one, not necessarily go one to ten. So starting at ten we have uh Davison de los Santos. And then we kind of just look at him. And I listed, put out a list of pros and cons for each of these players, kind of get an idea of what what to expect. So if you look at Deus Santos, obviously the main calling card is raw power. I think obviously his raw power is better than anyone else in the organization. However, there are some risks in that of tapping in, being able to consistently tap into that. But also, we have to be a little bit patient, obviously, because his age is very he's very young. He's a young twenty. He just turned twenty in June. But in a level that the average age is like 23, 24 as a prospect, you're 22, 23 years old going into double A. So like age and we talk and age is going to come up when we talk about Jordan Lawler later. As a pro, yeah, Lawler is like, the very similar thing is they both actually like that should tell you the difference in tier of prospects. Lawler's going to be near the top, obviously, but I, uh, you know, triple J there is I, uh, he's a top prospect and it's because he's not only young for the level that he's at, but he's been doing, I mean, even with a, a big slump earlier in the season, he's doing well. David, I, Santos also similarly had a bad slump. So yeah. um, seeing his, his exit velocity numbers is where he stands out to me as a prospect. That guy, he also hit one of the hardest hit balls I've ever seen, like into the parking lot in Amarillo, or was it a, uh, no, somebody else. Well, oh, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. Parking right. lot home runs. The 527 one was somebody else. But I've seen him go as far as 41. Yeah, he's, and he's hit the Exit bomb. velocity That's as high as 114. Exit velocity as high as 114. And uh, shout out to the Amarillo Broadcasting Crew. You guys do a great service showing the pitch and exit velocity. It makes it a lot easier to, to look at these video clips and kind of get information from it. So, Their uh, media team is excellent. Yeah, they are definitely yeah. worth shouting out to. Um, yeah, no, his his uh, home run power is just uh, kind of obscene. I'll be I'll be real about that. But his hit tool is the question. Uh, defensive home is kind of a question. Too. I mean, if he hits, I he's going to play. Yeah, he's going to play. Um, he does strike he out him. at a relatively alarming rate. Like I would say, like. like 
I mean, like a big power hitter with 40 plus home runs, 25% isn't necessarily uh, something yeah, to be overly concerned about. If it was over 30%, yeah, I would be much more. It's, Do you it, have him like, ahead it, of Melendez? Because uh, no, Yvonne like Melendez is a, is a similar a similar guy that uh, <coughs> strikes out an alarming rate and uh, has like monster power. We'll get to that because he's much higher up on the list. So, Number much nine, higher. I have Christopher Touring. Second baseman, currently in Visalia. Main the main thing to know about him is he's probably got the best hit tool in the Diamondbacks farm system. But between the DSL and the complex, it's like they couldn't get him out for the better part of two years. So it's like he really went unchallenged. And the D backs yeah, kind of no. have a thing for developing hit, his <clears throat> profile into a big league player. Although I do think he's only a one tool guy. One tool guy that doesn't play an elite position defensive won't end up at elite defensive position. Like he'll be a decent second baseman. It's yeah, I think that's a, a good projection for him. He does have uh he's really young, is the other thing that's worth mentioning. I mean, he's not I think he just high school eight. version of Tom like my comp would be like the high school version of Tommy Troy. Now if he has if he and the thing is if he has if he builds more arm strength, which I don't know how much possible that is. But like I said, if he could get if his arm was stronger, he'd be a surefire shortstop prediction. Probably a top, probably much. It'd probably be right there with uh, Troy on the prospect list. He's so but, young, I wouldn't rule it out. That's the thing like for said, the but the caveat. This, he's so young, this, I would not rule it out. This is a guy that could get to the big leagues by his twenty first birthday if things go well. Like I said, it's going to be at least two years yeah. before we even talk about the idea of him playing in the big leagues. He's like that's a guy to. Keep an eye on. Who, who, who are all the okay? So there's there's uh, Perdomo, obviously. There's uh, Pagaro, who we traded to uh, the Pirates for uh, yep. uh, Star, uh, Starling Marte, and then of course uh, Dansby. Yeah, you can't forget about him. And then Diamondbacks are really just on a roll with with uh, shortstops and uh, middle infielders. So, um, well, yeah, no, I, I like Torrin. He stood out to me in the DSL, just like how much better he is than uh, the competition. Like you said, like they, they could not get him out for two years. Like Torrin popped out because I saw like a list of like, they did like MLB, uh, the minor league, minor league website, which is affiliated with MLB, obviously. They did like a all-star, uh, organization all-stars and Torrin popped up at second base. It's like, so I did a little bit more research. I was like, oh, 17-year-old. Oh, a 17-year-old has like a 450 on base percentage, is running wild on the bases, twice as many walks as strikeouts and at a level that half the pitchers can't throw a strike if their life depended on it. It's like, okay, this yeah. guy's a prospect. Yeah, I kind of ranked him more in my preseason one because I just didn't know much about him. It's like, now you see what he's doing now. It's like, yeah, complex. I like, just okay, thought, yeah, this guy is definitely. Uh, I just sorted by age on fan graphs and like WRC plus and uh, was just going down the young guys and looking and I was like, Oh wow, he can really hit for, for someone his age in that level. And uh, he's, he's done nothing to, to change that since then. There's another guy on our, our symbols found in the same way. I think he's a number. Who's your number eight. I knew about Santana and Torian, but it's like the other guy. Um, yeah. Ruben Santana. Honest, similar demographic is uh no Santana's not on this list. He's actually just, uh, he's, a, he's lower. Yeah. He's like in the, I think I have like if there was a if it was top eleven, he'd be on there. Yeah. All right. So number eight, Yumin Lin. 
Or as the Amarillo folks like to call him, Superhuman Lin. I've heard that. Uh, best kind of- uh, left-handed pitching pro. I think he's a better pitching prospect than Fott to some extent, just in terms of how tall she is, his control, uh, experience pitching at a high level. He's pitched in the Chinese Professional Baseball League. Uh, I mean, the thing about Lin is if he had Brandon Fott's stuff, we'd probably be call- he'd probably be a top 50 prospect. Size, yeah, if he yeah. had Fott's size. Wait, no. Brandon Fott's a top 50 prospect anyway. Yeah, he is. It, so. he'd be, be- But he doesn't have that. Kind yeah, of he does not like have Lin the physicality. Is, yeah, the main thing that hurts Lynn as a prospect and why he's eight instead of like four is he's five foot eleven, hundred sixty, not very projectable kind of thing. There is a bit of a concern about how he'll hold, how he'll be able to physically add velocity and muscle mass. It's like, but his strengths are good enough that he's probably almost a surefire big league starter once he gets up here, and he'll be here like at twenty two. Like this I said, is, he's got pretty good control with this pretty control enough late movement and he has a good feel for secondary pitches, but none of his pitches are better than average. In my opinion, it's like only two of uh, only his changeup I think is above average. If I were to rate his stuff, I have to wonder on a level of like scouting, if there's an inherent bias against Chinese uh, and like Asian, Asian athletes, just because of like, you hear that a lot with uh, guys coming over from from the CP, uh, Chinese Professional Baseball League or, like, from Korea. And it's, like, always they, they come out like, oh, I don't know how this guy's going to put on muscle. And it's, like, I get it. But, like, you hear that more with players like Lin. And you got to wonder, is this, like, something that inherently, like, an inherent bias to that? Is it really, like, is that a legitimate concern? Because, like, I'm not necessarily concerned about that. Um, I don't think race plays in the factor for me. It's just how he's built. He's kind of, he's, yeah, he's even slimmer than Corbin Carroll. Oh, okay. Carroll fell like six picks. It fell out of the top 10 in the 2019 draft because of those concerns. And Carroll obviously is now wrestled up. But Carroll is also half Asian. So is it still inherent bias against players that are like have Asian ancestry? And I have to wonder because it comes up a lot. Because you know what? Yeah, uh, you're on average Asian player, Asian Asian people are uh, shorter in height than and build and all that. And I just uh, you have to wonder if it's just like a difference in genetics of like how we put on how we put on muscle mass, you know. So I just like I that's a question I've been wanting to put out there for a while. If you think if you think it is uh, an issue. Let me know if you think that I'm wrong. Let me know in the comments. I think that's like a really an interesting question to ask. Is like, what is there a bias in scouting? There's only one person I think could even answer this. I know that could answer that question. That's obviously Jack, but yeah, or, or if not him, maybe. he knows someone that could. Yeah, I'd have to ask him because it's really something that <clears throat> I've noticed a long time ago, and it, it's yet to really been disproven, in my opinion. I mean. You look at Atani, even like he had questions about his, you know, I mean, yes, Atani's he's super built human. like a Mack truck. Yeah, he's a big guy. I don't know why you would have those questions about him when he is like. But then again, Otani came to the big leagues. Build wise, he came to the big leagues as a finished product. Yeah, he was very, so, he was slight of build when he was uh, a teenager. I mean, I've seen pictures, I've seen footage of him pitching in Koshian and, uh, you know, but I still like, I think there is something there maybe. 
Uh, but we'll see with Lynn. I mean, he's a talented pitcher. I mean, I don't see any reason why he could not uh, work on his endurance. And, uh, you know, this is conditioning to improve. Uh, there's not really a lot of improvement other than that. Like, it's really just uh, getting stretched out as a starter. He does have a – like, his upside's limited. His upside's limited if he's – if he's – uh like, this is it in terms of his physical development. Um, if he can, like, get an increase in velocity and have a maintain towards over the season, little things like that, and just be able to go deeper in starter games, and he probably has a higher ceiling than, than like, a fourth or fifth starter, probably, like, a middle rotation starter. Um, but he's exciting to watch. Like, his his, his pitches are filthy. Let's go yeah, seven. If, it isn't, if his stuff doesn't improve, I mean, you're talking about a f- number five lefties pitchability lefty starter. That's not Left-handed. a bad he's, 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 He could have a job for the next 20 years. I think if he was right-handed, he probably wouldn't be. I'll also say this. If he was right-handed, I probably wouldn't put him in my top 10. But because he's left-handed, it's like, yes, I'm going to do that. So, yeah. I think what and because of the fact he's left-handed plays up his prospect profile, too. Oh, absolutely. That He he would not be in my – I mean, I have Lynn maybe lower. I, I don't know. I have to tweak this, this list a bit because I – I think that uh, Lynn's probably too high. I think the last three guys are probably like, I don't know. I need to tweak my, I haven't finished making my prospect list for mid season. Uh, but I don't know if I'd have him at eight. I guess see the rest of your list to tell you the, the differences in mine. Slade Jaconi, I actually do have him uh, at seven. There's one, the yeah. first one that's the same. Yeah, I have Sacconi really hasn't moved for me. He hasn't improved or gotten worse. There's a lot of things yeah. to like, and there's a lot of things to not like. Yep. Like, for example, he does have starter stuff. Fastball plays, has a really good sl- plus slider. The curveball is much more playable than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Curveball actually has some swing and miss utility. So it's like seeing him pitch at sea level. The curveball actually is a big league offering. So yeah. like stuff plays. And he That's is the, real- the most MLB ready arm in the Reno rotation right now. If, like, if they yeah. had to call someone up from Reno, which they haven't even thought yeah. of doing it at any point this season since they I'm, a, I'm amazed I'm amazed that they haven't called up anyone else there were op- there was an opportunity to call up Sacconi on uh, July 8th they passed on and went for a bullpen game they ended up winning it yeah yeah so you know it's worked out that was, one of, the games that, that was, that was one of the few games I went to that they actually won that I covered that they actually won this season yeah that's unfortunate and obviously Early in his career, he had some health issues, but since the start of last season, he has not missed more than two starts. He made 27 starts this year, and he has been healthy all season. However, the downside is Sacconi has been exceptionally homer-prone in for uh, even Reno. His home run rate per nine yeah. is over two. Two, and we're talking about, if you talk about... It's not just the ballpark. There's a bunch of things. Factors. The thing that's been interesting with Reno... Is it went from being really, it was really cold at the beginning of the year, and it's been very hot uh, the last like month or month or two, much hotter than it ever normally is. So it's especially homer prone uh, when it's like hot out, hot out in Reno. So I mean, if you don't know anything about Reno as a ballpark, anything the the higher the elevation you're at, the further the ball flies. Uh, Reno is, I think. Look at last night's box score. That is common this time of year. 
Yeah, that's not. It's not. We unless you have like elite swing and miss arms, it's not going to work. It, you're going to give up runs at that level. Yeah. Now, of course, the home. It's like you, the home runs are still elevated because if you compare, Jameson Nelson were at one seven when they were called up last year. So Coney two two. Fought was that like at one okay, six yeah. when they brought him back up this year? It was yeah. Like one three last year. One six when they brought uh, after his last start. So yeah, it's still elevated. Yeah, his last right. five starts, Fott's been a lot less homer prone. Obviously, from two to one six. But Fott's home runs, mm-hmm. it's like I think half his home runs are because of uh, Tyler Soderstrom and <laughs> JJ Blade, who are yeah. no longer with Las Vegas right now. Thank heavens for the Reno pitchers now having that. And it's like those yeah, it's- are. Las Vegas is just as bad as Reno, if not worse. Yeah, it is. Uh, there's a lot of, like, Albuquerque is another ballpark in, in that division. That's There's a bunch of ballparks that are either, like, at a high altitude and in a hot place or both. Um, so it's not it's not fun pitching in the PCL West or the PCL. All right. So uh, now, yeah, so about Ivan- Melinda. So, yeah, so I have him higher because, like I said, best bet for a 40 home run bat in the system. Because not only the same the raw power, well, I said Davis on De Los Santos has the best raw power in the organization. Ivan Melendez is right there with him in terms of raw power. Yeah. However, he has a much better batted ball profile for a power hitter. Fly ball rate, yeah. excellent. Not a lot of ground balls because obviously if he hits a ground ball, it's not a Mac out. Unless yeah. it's hit 110 miles an hour, but. I think the highest exit velocity seen is 109. His bat speed isn't necessarily great, so he's can be. So that's why there's a lot of swing and miss in his game. Good makeup yeah. guy. I think at worst case scenario defensively, he's going to be good for spaceman. I don't see it at third, but like I said, he's going to be uh, able to play third first base fine. So I'm not worried about a defensive home. And then obviously, Ivan Melendez owns the gym. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Like I said, the uh, main con is the, the main issue in his game is the swing and miss. Like if he can get a strikeout right below twenty five percent, he might be an all star level player. He said above thirty. He could right hit two seventy so. with forty because who wouldn't want a guy that hits two seventy with forty bombs? Yeah, I mean it's that's his ceiling. The team the, the team could use a guy could use a guy like that. Um, yeah, his biggest thing is he was striking out on like I think like a third of his at bats uh, earlier is. this year, which is, still is, and that's. That that's going to be a lot more at the major league level, um, if that's the case, because they will take advantage of that that those holes in his swing. I haven't seen enough of him, like you know, full at bats to this season at least. I've only seen I've only seen him play like last year when he was injured. Uh, it's, it's obvious that that was what I was seeing that was wrong with him. Um, he's I, mean, I, I think he's a I think he's a better defender than you think. He's still not good. He's still not good, okay? Um, I think he has certainly has the potential and the makeup to make up for some of his defensive liabilities. So, I, like, I do think he'll stick at first. He's definitely not a third baseman, like you said. Uh, unless he cuts down on those strikeouts, though. This is really, like, that's the big question in all this. Yeah, but strikeouts don't impact your defense unless he... <laughs> yeah. No, I'm saying, like, he's got, like, all the... He's got all the tools that you look for for first baseman that you really, like, the prototypical... Like you want a Goldschmidt replacement, uh, he could maybe do it. Yeah, I guess see that strikeout rate come down next year. Like he's striking, he's got 102 strikeouts and 295 play appearances this year. 
In double A, it's 16 out of 19. But his batting average is up because he's got six homers. Yeah. Like, the home <laughs> runs will offset the strikeouts. Like, if he, could, if he strikes out 30% of the big leagues, he's still play. It's still a play, potentially playable bat if he can hit 40 homers. Yeah. Like, he could still hit 260. Yeah, no, if I mean, ever, that's, that's fine. You just worry he's going to do like Joey Gallo with the Yankees level of strikeouts and, you know, like where it's a reduction in his home run power because he's just not getting any hits. And then uh, I think he can make the adjustment. That's really what I was saying. Like, was, he seems the, the, the kind of player to bet on and make the adjustments that, that they need to succeed in the major leagues, he's a guy I would bet on. That's why he's listed so high. I agree too. Number five, Yancel Luis. Obviously, very um, looking at Luis. Obviously, I think he's the best prospect of their three Latin American prospects from the twenty-two signing class because uh, he's the only one that has a shot of sticking at shortstop. Although, obviously, we can't project what the shortstop position will look like in five years. Who knows? But like I said, potential five-tool impact player, but doesn't necessarily have a plus or defining tool to his characteristic, which isn't necessarily bad because. Tom if you've Troy. got five good, tw- five. Oh, I was going to bring up AJ Pollock, but as a guy who didn't have a single plus tool, but ended up becoming a very good player. Yeah. Of course, Chris Owings is on the other end of the spectrum too. Uh, they projected Chris to Owings. have five tools, but didn't work out. He was my re- one miss in that draft. Like that was the most successful draft that I've called. Like in terms of what the players would be like, who would make the major leagues or not, and how they had their careers would go. And Chris Owings. Really, really disappointing. Yeah, uh, I like Hansel Luis. Is it Yansel or uh, Hansel? Either way, I know it's not pronounced as a J because he's uh, Dominican. He's, I mean, he's Dominican. Uh, I think it's probably Yansel then. Um, I mean, they like like he put there. The, the organization knows how to develop these kind of players. Like it really, I, I have much more confidence in them developing this guy to like a major leaguer than I do with them developing a pitcher. Um, yeah. Like so six, bottom line, like six feet tall, projectable frame could that could become a plus power guy possibly in the future. And then you'll take a yeah. shortstop with 20 homers. Any t- a guy that could stick at shortstop with 20 homers and, and if he's got a good arm, maybe he's got third base projection, but I would say he's up in the middle guy right now. Yeah. I don't think he has the arm to play third base. When we talk about, obviously, you kind of need a, but like we talk about, people talk about Jordan Lawler being a third baseman. It's like, no. If you look at the D-backs, three shortstop prospects, Tommy Troy is your best bet to end up at third kind of thing. Yeah. Because there is some history with him there. Which, by the way, yeah, I, I, could, to talk about I could see him there. Yeah, Tommy Troy at number four. Um, this is another. Uh, I like Tommy Troy much better than I did when at first when we first drafted him. Like I, when the name first yeah, came out, ended up, he ended up giving him significant savings in the draft as well. He signed for four point four million. So, and then they yeah. took his savings to signed hit in the. Uh, yeah, that's a good sign. Fourth there. round and hit was a guy I debated putting at ten as a prospect. Yeah, so he's uh, another guy like this if you. To go from real briefly, he's coming off an injury, Tommy John surgery. Really won't know. I mean, yeah. if you were betting that, he, if you're betting that he's going to return to form, then yes, he's, he could easily be a top ten. But I, uh, until we get seem healthy and know. on a field, I don't, I don't like, I don't, I don't feel comfortable ranking players like that half the time because you know it could go south real quick. Um, we get back to Tommy s- Troy. He's got everything you want. Um, 
like he's very polished. Like if you want a guy who's polished and is going to fly through the minors, I like pretty much anyone we talk about, he should fly through the minors. Has he been assigned to complex or? Yeah. I think, uh, yeah. He has single in his first to bat. If I remember correctly, in fact, there are uh, four college guys that they put in the lineup for uh, the D-back complex, all singled and scored, all reached base and scored in the first inning or something like that in their first at bat. Congratulations. It was pretty interesting. That. So That's Troy got the first of three the way. Um, it's like, Well, these guys are going to be, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, you talk about those four guys, Troy, uh, Groove. Actually, I don't think Groover was in that. Was Groover in that lineup? I think he was. So yeah, Groover, Hurley. And uh, Feltner, that's your one through four in Hillsborough next year. Start the season. Yeah. But uh, we'll talk about that next year. But the only thing I worry about with Troy is the lack of an elite carrying tool. Maybe it's an AJ Pollock situation where it's just he knows how to use all his tools effectively. So he's going to end up becoming a very good player nonetheless. And isn't that a make a, like like having an elite makeup tool right yeah. there? You know, if, <laughs> I'm a, talking guy, about if phys- a guy, if a guy can either use his tools that he has effectively and like carbon niche is a, you know, whatever in a major, like the guy who was, I forget who the, the that one left-handed one out guy that the D back signed repeatedly in the, the early aughts. But like, I mean, uh, Mike Myers, I wouldn't call him like, you know, like a good pitcher, but he, you know, for, we're talking about prospects, like this carving niche is really impressive. And, um, like Paul Goldschmidt that like he went from a guy you have quite, he's like basically Melendez to, no. you know, the Goldie that we know and love. Um, I would, so I hopefully, would compare, hopefully Troy's like that. I think Goldschmidt entering 2011. I mean, we're talking about Goldschmidt entering 2010 season. Now, if we're going to rightfully compare the two players, it's like Goldschmidt in 2010 would be a better prospect than Ivan Melendez today. Oh yeah, me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, he set the Missoula single season home run record and hit yeah, 300. He, Melendez is yeah, hitting 300. He, yeah. He's hitting 265. He is a much better hit tool than uh, than Melendez. Tommy Troy, turned, like I mean, he's he's above average, but not enough that it's 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 recognizable that he's above average uh, or average in every one of his tools. I honestly think if Troy had a defining tool, he would have been a top ten. He would have. They would be talking about him in the same breath as Jacob Wilson. Yeah. I think there were also yeah. enough talent valuers that were unsure about his ability to stick at shorts that he ended up falling a little bit. Which is like, that's not necessarily a concern for the Diamondbacks if he doesn't stick at short. Um, no. Like, I mean, like someone's got to play short, third eventually. Third. Like, here we yeah, go. You, th- you might end up at third and you still got Lawler shortstop and Luis maybe moves to second base. Yeah. All together. I, I mean, Although it's going to have... be very unlikely they're all together. Just simply, well, yeah, we still have to get Perdomo and Marte, and then, like, I mean, we still have people on the roster right now blocking them. So, Drew Jones, I have lower than this because I uh, he has had some injuries this year. Um, he hasn't really been in the lineup when he has been in the lineup. He has struck out a lot and he has not hit. Um, defense is still like 80 grade. Uh, the personal, like, there's a guy on the snake that who's Give him very high marks for his defense. Uh, other than that, and his arm, I don't really That'll know. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know that much about. Uh, like, I don't think we've seen enough to really like change his ranking necessarily. But that's why he's not the top prospect for me. If he had a successful season, 
and he hit the ground running, he would be the number one prospect. This is his ceiling. Is that much better? Um, Drew Jones will be the D-backs number one prospect, whether it's by default or he figures. Yeah. He, he gets that healthy season that he was supposed to happen this year. So kind of the thing is like why I rank him so high is he's got loud tools and yeah. has the type of ceiling that he could be in the MVP conversation, perhaps, if uh, obviously D-backs already have a player that fits that mold. But yeah. having two players, obviously, with that kind of impact certainly helps. So like I said, oh, the ceiling, yeah. like I said, I think his absolute ceiling is a guy that hits 270 with 30 homers, 30 stolen bases. However, I call that a peak year. I don't think he'll nec- it's going to take a lot to get there kind of thing. I'm not a fan of the swing right now. There's a lot of parts in his swing that aren't synced up, and that's what the, that's what the yeah. pre-draft counting report said. There's a lot of rotation. It feels like it. And this is going to probably be an injury risk early in his career. It's just like his body isn't quite synced up correctly. Yeah. Ask me. That, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, like that's really, that could be why he got hurt. His swing does look like a mess. That's one of the reasons why I wasn't very impressed. Is it's that's like, why I agree now. Two, not one. I agree with, Jack- yeah, I wish we got Jackson holiday. My God. Holiday was uh, Jackson holiday was the second best pro ready prospect in the draft after Brooks Lee. who was already in double yeah. a. It's like yeah. D-backs weren't going to draft Brooks Lee because it's like you're not going to draft top five. You're probably not going to draft top five again for the next two, three years. It's like take yeah. the risk. Yeah, That's I why the it. Jones pick made sense now. It still makes sense today. Oh, it makes it's, sense. It makes sense. It's just it's, just, it's going to be a slow um, develop. He's lost a year. It's going to take five years instead of four. Yeah, that's the thing. It really hurts his development. Um, but, like, I mean – Actually, I was gonna say is like I agree with the pre pre draft assessment is that he probably needs to completely retool his swing to really take advantage of his his physical tools. And hopefully, we'll get to see that next year. I'm not yes. I'm not uh, bullish on his ability to play another game this season, and I don't think you're yeah, gonna send him to the fall league. I've written him off completely for the season. I'm I'm waiting to see what he does next year. He's been injured, all that. Brian right. thought we know him. Sometimes we love them starts six. It's like he's had two serviceable starts. Actually, I would say three solid start, uh, three yeah. start, solid starts four very bad ones. Yep. And I think, and it's like Brandon fought a strike thrower and he has a very diverse arsenal, but arsenal, ideal build makeup, all the tools you want for a starting pitcher. And he's not that far away from his ceiling. Obviously, it's like, well, why? And what do you mean he's not that far from his ceiling? If you look at Brandon Fott's numbers, obviously, you look at a pitcher, it's like, oh, he's far from his ceiling. Yeah. If not borderline bust. And we're talking about Fott has an 88 ER. If 0-4 with an 88-1 ERA and seven starts, it's like, that looks like bust. A bust or disappointment, but a small change here or there makes a huge difference. I mean, we saw in his last yeah, game, they moved him... Uh, where did they move him? How far did they move him? How far is the rubber? They probably moved him halfway across that thing. So they moved him five inches to the left. Yeah. From the center field I, perspective. Yeah. Sit five like inches to the right from the hitter's perspective. It made a huge difference. Yeah. His changeup went thing from is, crap. Little thing to the right. His, his changeup went from un, uh, went from a completely useless pitch to an, a legitimate swing and miss pitch. Yeah. Kind of thing. Just the ang- Just changing the angle. Fix that pitch. I do think his sweeper is his breaking ball is kind of his sweeper is kind of icky because it just stays, it's not a good. I don't think it's a good breaking ball. It's kind of floats and it 
stays on the same plane. That's kind of something that he's a little, it's a little flat. He needs to, it, yeah, it's I, not the flat angle. It's like it, need, it has no snap. It needs isn't like he a left-handed pitcher, Michael? Said so you have him as right. No, he's right-handed. Is he right-handed pitcher? The breaking ball lacks, lacks Christmas snapping. I think his curveball is a better pit than he uses it for. I think he could use that, especially on the back foot. I think that's a good back foot offering because the movement that pitch gets. I do. Th- it's a case where I think Brent Fott probably could better utilize his entire arsenal kind of thing instead of relying on fastball sweeper like he's done to get to the big leagues. Yeah, that's my well, thoughts on he's, him. He's schooling. Like, I mean, just remember, like, he never really had a bad until this year. He never really had the kind of bad starts that he's had this year. He pretty I mean, much he got he he mowed through the minors. Okay, like he flew yeah. through the minors. Grabbed all of her attention, real like just like immediately to be able to to I forget. I mean, he had an error under two at one point in Amarillo, and he did that in Reno. The thought, like you know, later on, and just be able to hold her own even for a length of time, not even necessarily a whole season. And he's like having this impressive season numbers for for the league. I mean, he's just absolutely dominating. He just hasn't really look the same in my opinion and it's it's little adjustments and he'll be able to succeed um he's not going to be an ace i mean at best i think he's probably like a a two three or four year uh no, three, or three or four, four in my opinion on average on average but i know a pink year he could be like uh like a number two a shitty he's number gonna... two but a number two <laughs> Con- uh, there's a is- quality of contact's always going to be an issue that persists throughout yeah. his career so his upside is going to be determined by his ability to hit the edge of the strike zone and get strikeouts. Like if he gets two, if he's strikeout per nine, or let's say strikeout rate is above twenty seven, if his strikeout rate is like twenty five percent or higher, he's going to be a solid mid rotation guy. If it's thirty percent, he's probably a two. Yeah. Like I said, what, there's two ways to. Uh, there's basically two ways to prevent runs this week. Either swing, get swings and misses, or you reduce the quality contact. And then Tommy Henry yeah. obviously is the latter. By the way, look up his look up Tommy Henry Statcast page and look at the exit velocity. Reducing the impact of the quality of contact is what Henry does. For Fott, he doesn't have that, so he's got to go. He's got to have swing and miss. Yeah. Although there is some reliever mix, although I think with four use four average or better pitches, I think you write him out as a starter. I don't think he's a bullpen guy. And then we're gonna wrap it up with no, he's not. He's a waste of the bullpen. Yeah, it's a waste of time. Number one, Jordan Lawler. Yes, we're, it's like the Jordan Lawler. But they're like not. This is not the if you're if you want to calm down the Jordan Lawler hype train. This is the wrong place to be. But basically, Jordan Lawler has yeah, all star upside. Twenty homers, forty. Twenty homers, forty stolen base profile early in his career. Maybe in the middle of his career, he might sell into a twenty five twenty five guy. And the backs have a yeah. history of developing players of his skill set. Obviously, Corbin Carroll being although obviously it's like one of one. Corbin Carroll and. Yeah, He's I didn't write this down, talent. but Jordan Lawler That's has an I... exceptional amount of maturity for his age, and then yes. body, and then his arm That's... isn't That's... great, like I said. All right, I'll just finish this up a little bit, and we'll in the discussion we're running we're a little we're starting to run yeah. out on time a little bit. So, uh, thing is, is his arm is okay. It's satis- as I wrote satisfactory. It plays up to body control and release, yeah. so he can get the throws off the second base in plenty of time. However, he doesn't have the he doesn't have the oomph to play third base. 
Yeah, it's my thing. And if he, he doesn't, doesn't have the, he doesn't like, have an easy arm strength. That's what I'd call it. Like he it, actually needs it, to put his whole body into the throw if he's throwing it across. Uh, you know, cross the diamond on a you know quick play. Like he actually needs to put a little more. He can't just you know short arm it from across the diamond. Yeah. Like you know, that's really that's the level. His arms, yeah, like it's, it's acceptable. It's you know, no. it works for him. His other tools are exceptional. That's probably his weakest tool. Not like Perdomo, although, like I said, Perdomo's had some. Uh, well, we'll talk. Perdomo's been solid enough at shortstop, obviously, when he's focused, and then. Jordan Lawler, obviously, age 20 season in double A. That's a huge plus. And he's been on a hot streak the last two months. He was in a deep slump from April 20th to May 21st. Since then, he's been a hot, he's been on a hot streak. Like, the type of numbers you want to see from a top 10 prospect yeah. since May 23rd. I mean, May 21st. Like, the numbers are ridiculous. I have tweets about that. Go look at my Twitter feed of that. But that's kind of just the main thing about Lawler. So, and then the biggest con for me is if Jordan Lawler can't play shortstop, what position does he play? Second outfield. I feel like his sec his backup position is at second base, but center field. Like he's a, he's a good enough athlete that he can play center field, in my opinion. The run tool and the athleticism profile well for the position. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's a pretty fair assessment for for. Uh, but then it's like you have a question of where do you play him? Because it's already you have a lot of outfielders. Um, I Darryl think he's going to stick. At, I think that they probably keep him at short and then either sell on Perdomo or Marte and, uh, you know, or have Perdomo back up both second and uh, short and be like your utility guy. He could pass the talent to be a super utility player though, which is like, you know, like yeah, the Ben Zobris kind of guy. Yeah. Lawler, yeah. Lawler has the talent to be that guy. Yeah, I see the con- although Zobers had a much better arm than Lawler, so I don't think Lawler has the yeah. arm f- to play right field or third base. But yeah, still, it's shortstop, that. second base, center field. That's left Everything field. In a pinch, he could play it. But realistically, it's shortstop or yeah, shortstop. His bat is so. is most advanced of any of the shortstop prospects that we've had, like in terms of like what I've seen out of him. That's pretty much my wrath. I thought so we talked about that earlier. They keep developing shortstop prospects, like all the ones I mentioned. He has the most developed bat at this level. All right, so that's going to wrap it up for today's show. We didn't weren't able to quite get to the Corbin Carroll segment, but there's always plenty of time to talk about um, perhaps the most here. gifted young talent to ever play in Diamondbacks organization. But anyways, we'll be back on tomorrow to talk about the trade deadline, some of the mo- recent moves, and maybe. We'll have to double check to see if any moves remain in the last two hours. But anyway, tomorrow's show know. at ten at ten AM tomorrow. Wes and I will be there to talk about like I said, the Giolito trade and how that's impacted Dimax. The Rosario traded for Cindergard and all that fun stuff. But before we go, we want to plug in our Patreon page. So doing a show like this is doesn't come cheap. In fact, uh we have uh, the cost of running the show, there's a the service that we use for the show StreamYard is 25 it, there's you have to pay for that and it's like to get these graphics i use photoshop so i for a few bucks a month and when you see the tiers on here you can become a patron of the channel at patreon.com slash snakes on the diamond if you do that and if you have a few bucks lying around you can help us out help build the show for us to produce even better content into the future quality uh production quality as well as 
hiring people that know more, know how to do this better than Wes and I can do it kind of thing. That's, yep. that's the fun stuff. And leave a comment, like, and subscribe and share, uh, to help her. Yeah. I grow. forgot to have, I forgot to have that running during the entire show. Yeah. yeah. We'll do it next time. You know, it's fine, but, yeah. uh, have a yeah. wonderful day. All right. Thank and you. we'll Make see sure you tomorrow. Wes says. <laughs>